Uh, I screwed up the um, lining things up for the intro, so um, ignore the three seconds delay. Actually, b b before we even get started with this video, can we look at the perv face on Adam Kinzinger? I, I didn't notice this until I was... Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's a perverted face that Adam Kinzinger is gazing lovingly and adoringly at Donna Brazil. Wait for this clip. Sorry, ordinarily I'd start with the straight up intro, but you got a double intro. And Vivek needs to just shut the hell up and go home. I'm tired of it. We all hate Vivek. Okay. It's, it's Vivek. Well, whatever. Vivek. It, whatever. Would you, would you say that about uh, other Donna, ethnic? I'm Donna. Vivek. Is it Vivek Ramasama? <laughs> Ramaswamy? Vivek Ramaswamy. That's, that's, that's funny. Thank you so much. I know <laughs> so much when I come on this show. I know. But... Vivek. Vivek. Vivek needs I, I, to go home. Yeah. I, I, I agree. He, he runs it. He, I, just, yeah. I just feel like there's something wrong with everybody refusing to learn to say his name. Vivek. I just okay, feel I there's will... a little racism there. <laughs> There's no just a little. There's no racism there. Vivek, go. Vivek Ramaswamahama. Oh, what was your last? Go home, Vivek. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you mean more generally than America, uh, Donna? Did you mean go home to your house? He needs to shut up and go. I'm going to play from the beginning because there might have been a little section there that we might not have heard properly. Yeah, it just looks like, I know we don't like him, but you know, just say his name right. You're the first like, one I've ever heard say that. I, I could be wrong. That. Maybe it's I mean, not Vivek. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> no, it is. It, it is. it is Vivek, because I heard him do a rap, and he said it rhymes with cake. Okay. All right. All right. I, I don't actually... This is what the CNN audience needs to know. I don't actually think it's mispronouncing his first name that is a problem. I'm sure he gets Vivek all the time. I think it was more the Ramaswamahama. Oh, like, it's, it's, it is a difficult last name to pronounce, Donna. Uh... To make fun of a foreigner's last name, a foreigner, an American, with a name that is non-American. Ramaswamaham, oh my goodness, can you imagine if they did that with fill-in-the-blank other demographic? But play this from the beginning just one more time here. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Here. And Vivek needs to just shut the hell up and go home. Shut the hell up and go home. He needs to, though. I mean, this is... I will admit I am uh, guilty every now and again of potty mouth myself. This is political analysis of the intellectual political elite. And I'll put that in quotes. Wait until I want to refresh everybody's memory as to who Donna Brazile is. She's a liar, a scoundrel, and now a confirmed racist. Shut the hell up and go home, Vivek. Oh my goodness. Can, if, a, if a white man were to have said that to a a minority woman with a, 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 a last name that is not quintessentially or stereotypically American, what would happen if a Republican would have told a woman of color to shut the hell up and go home? What do you think would happen? Oh, I can give you one hint. And it would involve cancellation. That's hard, okay. That's hard work. It's, Hold on. It's, we all hate the man. We all hate Vivek. What that? Listen. We all hate Vivek. We all hate Vivek. We all hate Vivek. Who said that? What, what, what is this? Is this? Is this high school? I mean, it is. I've always said that high school never ends. It just gets bigger. 
We all hate Vivek. You've got a Democratic, a Democrat with a capital D, which usually also means demonic, a Democrat. Vivek Ramas, oh, oh, I didn't get to the, the best part of it. Sorry, the, the, making fun of his last name. Okay. I don't know what that is. I don't it's, know what that is. It's Vivek. Vivek. Well, whatever. Not that I have... Vivek. Hey, whatever. Would you, would you say that about uh, other Donna, athletes? I'm Donna. Vivek. Is it Vivek Ramasama? Ramasama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how i remember. Does anybody remember who Donna Brazil is? Confirmed liar, confirmed cheat, and now confirmed racist. But let me, let me just refresh all your memories because that's like, there's so much that has happened. This was in 2016, back when I was still keeping my big mouth shut. Donna Brazile is a liar and a cheater. This is coming from Real Clear Politics. So it's, it's opinion, but what's not opinion in this, and I'll refresh everybody's memory, are hard fact. I give Donna Brazile just a few points uh, yeah, yeah, for finally fessing up after lying and denying that she stole and supplied CNN debate questions to Hillary Clinton, helping the establishment candidate triumph over insurgent Bernie Sanders. So it seems that she cheats for the woman against if we let's let's play identity politics all the way through because that's what they do she cheated to screw old man jewish bernie sanders so she must be anti-semitic now she's telling vivek ramaswamy to shut his mouth and go home so she must be also racist anti-semitic racist donna brazil who is a liar and a cheater and remember oh gosh i wish i could pull up the videos where she 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 suggested at the time because she was being confronted with having stolen questions, slipped them to Hillary Clinton in advance of the debate. She suggested that the attack on her was racist, uh, racially motivated. Ho. Oh. Yes, evil, terrible, terrible people. That's it. I, ha I wanted to start the stream with uh, the video of my turtle fossil, which you might see right over my shoulder right here. Yes, that's a fossilized turtle shell. I'm gonna show it to you anyhow. Uh, but I, I, I saw that and I'm like, okay, well, we, we've got, we've got, I, nobody cares about fossils as much as people care about hypocrisy of the highest level, but we're going to get there. Now, oh, remember Seth Rich. There are many theories as to how Seth Rich was shot, I believe in the back at four in the morning in DC in an attempted bungled robbery uh, where not his watch, neither his wallet, nothing was taken from him. It's one of those worst robbers of all time, uh, shooting Seth Rich, uh, killing him uh, in a botched robbery where apparently nothing of value was attempted to be taken except for the man's life. Seth Rich was, according to lore, according to conspiracy theory, uh, perhaps the, the person responsible for disclosing that the Russian hack was not a Russian hack or was the one who provided some information. I forget exactly how the theory goes. Um, but as far as the theory goes that he was killed in a botched robbery where nothing was taken. Yeah, you can believe that. Oh, okay. What was I going to say? Good evening. It's Sunday. We're, oh my goodness. Have we got what to talk about? We're going to get there. It's Sunday. It's vivabarnslaw.locals.com. Oh yeah. I should have checked that we're live everywhere. That's what I meant to do. Uh, we are live. For those of you who don't know, I take for granted everybody is a returning viewer here. I am Viva Fry, David Freiheit, a Montreal litigator turned Florida rumbler. Uh, we do our Sunday shows with Barnes. I do weekly live streams depending on the day, whenever the time is available, ranting and raving about the 
insanity of the world, trying to make sense of it and trying to cope with it myself. Um, we start on YouTube, Rumble, and vivabarneslaw.locals.com. And on YouTube, at about a half an hour in, we give them some presence, we give some exposure so that people know where the true free speech platform is, and it's on Rumble. Then we end on YouTube, bring it over to Rumble, and after we're done on Rumble for the stream, we go over to vivabarneslaw.locals.com. For our after party, we take the tip questions, answer questions, have a little Q&A. Uh, I'm reading, I'm in the chat right now in vivabarneslaw.locals.com, and our community, which is above average intelligence, without a question. Ronald B says, Seth Rich was thought to have provided WikiLeaks with the correspondence proving that the DNC rigged the primary and gave it to Hillary illegitimately. That's right. Thank you for the refresher of my memory. Um, because they said that, you know, WikiLeaks got the uh, emails from a Russian hack and there were many people who were saying there was no Russian hack, period. Someone provided it to them. Um, some people were hypothesizing that that might have been Seth Rich. Seth Rich was subsequently killed in a bungled robbery at four in the morning uh, in D.C. Yeah. That's it. Now some, oh, wow. So John McGarvey in our community is showing a quartz crystal that is so crystal clear, pun intended. So that's what we do. I'm going to get to the, the super chats in a second, the rumble rants. No medical advice, no legal advice, no election fortification advice. But I do want to share this with you because... I don't, it's not that I don't care that everybody might not be interested in fossils. Everybody should be interested in fossils. Everyone should love them. And it's not a question of nerding out. It's a question of holding a piece of the cosmos and understanding that we are but stardust in the universe. Yesterday was the annual, the 56th annual West Palm Beach Gem and Rock Show. And I went last year. I saw a tortoise, a turtle shell, and I didn't get it. It wasn't the same one. This one was a little bit, a little more expensive, but I, I regretted it ever since. I said, why didn't I get that? I'm an idiot. And uh, we went back yesterday and I did not leave empty handed. This is, by the way, this is a video that is on uh, Rumble on my Viva Random channel on Rumble. So it's the absolutely nothing related to politics, although I still wear my merch in there. Look at this. As I sit here slaving over dinner. Yes, I made dinner last night. breaded chicken. And looking at our halls of the day, Look at this. Oh, we're cooking a, tur a, tur a turkey, a turtle? It's, look at this. Magnificent. Okay, look at this. This, it looks like, it looks like a turtle shell. Like we caught a turtle. And emptied it out. And took it, its body parts out. Look at this detail. An on, and it weighs like 30 pounds. Oh, it's so beautiful. We're talking here. Adults are talking. Okay, look at, look at, the, it's the bottom. It's look at the that. Look at the bottom of that. Our it's locals. The indent of the bottom. It's amazing. I did it. Do you want to see what I got? No one's um, even asked me what I got. My, my wife... Oh, it can't be better than this. I'll skip to what my wife got. That's, that's actually beautiful. She got one of these things. Oh, that's very nice. It's called um, something, where you put spice in it and you grind it up. Um, I got the turtle. I'm not going to leave it there. And it's sitting on a Marco Polo um, Hunter Biden laptop book, which I'm not going to use as a base either, but I don't want to put rock on rock. Oh... I said, we are but stardust. <laughs> uh, and by the way, how smart and above average is our locals community? Ginger Ninja, the man who made me this chess set behind me, Ginger Ninja on locals said, the pronounced indentation on the bottom side of the shell is an indication that it was a male because it's more, con, it's more concave for the purposes of mating. So I did it. I did it. Oh, mortar and pistol. Look at this. Mortar and pestle. Mortar and pestle. Who the hell those? She's like, I got a mortar and pestle. I was like, what the hell is a mortar and pestle? 
Forgive me, but we used it. And uh, that's it. And hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, if I drop it, I would cry. Look at this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Doesn't smell like anything. Okay. So that was that. Okay, that's the intro. Good evening, everybody. Barnes is going to get here in a second. We've got one heck of a show tonight because the news is crazy. The lawsuits that Barnes sent me Friday that I could do my weekend homework are fascinatingly interesting, except for the one that has to do with redistricting. I don't, I, can't, I, 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 I tune out of those immediately. But the big news of the weekend, or at least coming, coming into the weekend, was um, Speaker Johnson putting up a website and putting out some of the video footage of um, January 6th. Um, we're seeing some interesting video footage now. And it's an amazing thing. You see, you see the, um, the a- Adam Kinzinger, by the way, Stop that. You see Adam Kinzinger in, in pure panic mode, as with the other Democrats, as with the propagandists. They've got, to, they've got to maintain the narrative that January 6th was an insurrection. And what do they do in order to do that? They keep reverting to their highly edited, uh, it's nothing less than propaganda, video promotion that they made for their kangaroo court uh, January 6th committees. And they keep saying, look how violent this was. I talked about it on Friday. A 31-second video that had 15 hard edits in it. A 31-second video to synopsize all of the insurrection that occurred in the 44,000-plus hours of footage. That's the, thing. the best that they got was a highly edited, highly editorialized um, video montage that they run as evidence. Well, here's, a, here's another video. Just, you know, check it out. Insurrections. It's like you hear somebody breathing while watching this camera, but for those who are listening on, on podcast, um, this is inside the Capitol building. There's a group of insurrectionists apparently being led around by a police officer who just led them. They're carrying an American flag, a Trump flag, another Trump flag. One of them just waved at the officer, who I believe just waved back. I'm not sure. I think that's what happened. Walking in orderly, two by two. That's not me breathing, by the way. One of them's got a, uh, you know, the don't tread on me snake thing. Uh, they walk past the officers, uh, accompanied by another officer. This guy's, uh, one of the guys is recording with his iPhone as he goes through. Officers seem to be having a discussion. Nobody seems interested in the parading. Pe- oh, there you go. That guy just waved at the cop. The, guy, the cop waved back. Insurrection. I got into a little tiff with somebody on Twitter who I will not name because it's not a question of putting any people who I like on blast. Talking about the insurrection narrative. The convictions of consp- a seditious conspiracy. Uh, And now there's even some on the DeSantis camp who are running with the narrative that it was an insurrection and that they had planned to do it. They, and they just, they just, you know, they they would have done it. They would have done it. They would have done that which they could have done, but did not do because they didn't think during an insurrection to bring firearms. You know, they, they, they made the conscientious decision to travel with firearms as is your God-given right in America and you'll appreciate uh, that right when you no longer have it. Maybe take a trip to, you know, north of the border. See what it's like when you are not allowed to defend yourself. But they travel with their firearms, leave them in the hotel for the purposes of going to a protest. And that's the insurrection. They would have done it if they had just remembered to bring their, da- their darn firearms to an insurrection. But instead, they did not do that which they could have done. Uh, and therefore, that's the evidence of insurrection. 
Oh, and they got convicted, the, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, of seditious conspiracy, which is still not insurrection. That's the evidence. You got it right there. Oh, lordy, lordy. Okay, now let's get some super chats before we get too far behind here. Cheryl Gage, $10 super chat, says, Who in their right mind turns down a grilled cheese sandwich in, a favor, in favor of a Pop-Tart? Thanks for the translation of that video. It was really funny. Cheryl Gage is talking about what is called the tête à claque. Tête à claque means like the face that you can smack in French. It's French-Canadian. And they had the greatest video ever. It's the greatest thing to ever come out of Quebec. Second, maybe. Uh, where they had these kids. It's like, you know, they put the mouths over this face. And it's all... Anyways, I did a translation. Have you des Pop-Tarts? Donne-moi une Pop-Tarts. Donne-moi une Pop-Tarts. Donne-moi des Pop-Tarts. It's the best thing ever. Okay. Uh, we got Passion Moyer. Viva. I'm getting to gently chide you on this. You said Vivek's last name isn't American. You didn't really mean... I meant it is a... No well, first of all, that is not what I meant because there's no such thing as an American last name, but I did qualify that afterwards by saying what a stereotypical last name. Freiheit is not a typical American last name either. Uh, but what it, look, we're, we're not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be politically correct for the sake of being politically correct. It's quite clearly an Indian last name. He's a first generation um, son of Indian immigrants. And uh, as far as, you know, it goes for apple pie and things like that, Ramaswamy would not be what you would think of as a stereotypically quintessential American last name, but the American experiment is that which brings in everyone from everywhere across the world into the melting pot that is the American democracy. Uh, so you know what I meant, and that's what I meant. Uh, and uh, there's that. And now we got Leo, you said you are butt, butt starters. Okay, good. Now Barnes is in the house. <sighs> Let's do this. Robert, sir, you're good to go? Booyah, Robert. How goes the battle? Good, good. Are you you're, you're feeling better? You were a little under the weather last week, but it looks good. Yes, yes. Okay, now I'm going to let the audio level out here, and then if, if Robert, if one of us is off balance, you'll let me know. Uh, Robert, what's the book you have over your shoulder? Because that is new. That looks like the Constitution. Yeah, the, it's a book uh, from one of our board members at vivabarneslaw.locals.com. Uh, they uh, uh, sent it in as a gift. Uh, it's by a German scholar, so that will be uh, a rather interesting. And um, no cigar this week? Oh, yeah. No, I, I do have one. It's uh, K de or K de, is it K d'Orsay or K d'Orsay? Oh, K d'Orsay. That's French. That's the, uh, yeah. the, the, the port of d'Orsay. Yeah, it's, it's named after that. It's a Cuban cigar named after that. Oh, How do you say that again? K d'Orsay. K is the dock. D'Orsay is... Uh, and now I was going to say I didn't think the French made cigars, but <laughs> I, I don't smoke cigars. All right, Robert. Um... What do you think I meant? Don't, Pasha, come on. Oh, not everything comes out a, a thousand percent smooth with me all the time. Robert, what do we have on the menu for tonight? And we might have to add two uh, people wanted us to add. Oh, the um, media matters, but we'll talk about that afterwards. What do we have on the menu as it stands? Uh, Trump's up first. Uh, his ballot wins, uh, his gag order wins, and his mistrial motion in New York. Uh, then we have, uh, did Biden take over the internet with the FCC? That was the top voted topic uh, on the board poll. Then we have a bunch of cases up at SCOTUS, uh, Florida drag shows, uh, ethical code, uh, wealth tax, professional censorship, uh, the right to honk, and solitary mm -hmm. confinement. Uh, we got the question of Israeli war crimes, the self-defense win in Washington, D.C. involving the Second Amendment, no less. Malcolm X, uh, the person who was falsely accused, is bringing lawsuit against the U.S. government, including the FBI, for the false accusations and the conspiracy of the assassination of Malcolm X. 
uh, standing for BLM-related groups, which might have broader impact than just them and uh, the voting rights suit in Louisiana. And a little bit of uh, what happens when uh, you store certain photos on your phones and uh, random T-Mobile employees have access to it. It, it, bl- it blows my mind that people still do this, but w- what do I know? I'm an old man who keeps his schmeckle in his pants. Robert, can we just can we actually add two off the top? One will be the media matters, and the other one's going to be the one that I have a question about. But everyone needs us to talk or has asked us to talk about the media matters, the allegations. Uh, that Media Matters put out a hit piece saying that, you know, um, oh, they basically ran a test that showed that there were ads running next to uh, anti-Semitic or racist uh, tweets or whatever. And they put out a hit piece as well on Rumble. And now apparently, according to ALX on Twitter, who seems to have inside connections with Musk, there's an allegation that uh, Twitter is confirming or X is confirming that they never actually ran an Apple ad or there's evidence to believe they did not run an Apple ad by side one of the alleged tweets that M Media Matters for America put out. Um, first things first, assuming that their piece is mildly accurate, that they create a separate account to sort of fabricate results that are actual results. Is that tortious interference? And if they've actually doctored uh, a tweet, where does it go from there? Well, Musk is going to sue. So the... Uh... Uh, so I think you know once we have the suit, then we can make an assessment of the credibility and plausibility of the claims. So the uh, that's that's so I know people uh, the wanted it, but until we know what the suit actually is, it's, it's hard to make a assessment because there's different allegations out there. We don't know which ones will show up in the suit. Uh, different theories out there. We don't know which of those will show up in the suit. The uh, and not as a surprise. Media Matters is a political hit organization. Has been for a long time. And that's what they do. They were orchestrating uh, the cases against Alex Jones in substantial part. Uh, They knew many of the allegations against Alex Jones were false and uh, yet continued to propagate the falsity of those claims. So it's who they are. It's it's no surprise. I'm sure they engage in all kinds of shenanigans. Now, they're not an organization. I mean, they're an organization you'd sue and they would just they would just fold up shop and start with a new name. So I'm not sure how much you quite achieve. I mean, you know, it's probably worth it, but it's not like they're the Rockefeller Foundation. They're, you know, another NGO fly-by-night organization created by David Brock. And he's, you know, he shifted sides. He's been a grifter his whole life, his whole career. He was an anti-Clinton guy in the 90s and then weaseled his way into the Clinton camp thereafter by using the extortionate threats he developed uh, from his efforts in the 90s. So it's just who the guy is. Uh, but he knows which do- he knows how to solicit donors and uh, how to get those donors to target the causes that they choose. Um, it is really weird to go after Musk uh, in the current environment on anti-Semitism grounds, given all the other places that currently has all kinds of an- where anti-Israeli sentiment has been quickly bleeding over into anti-Jewish sentiment. Uh, not all anti-Israel sentiment is anti-Jewish, though saying things like from the river to the sea can only have one meaning. But fundamentally, that isn't because, necessarily because someone's Jewish. It's because it's Israel and they're Jewish. Uh, but the but clearly some ask, but to blame Musk for that, it's re- it seems to be a distraction campaign from the fact that so many of the left's allies are deeply uh, anti-Israel and their anti-Jewish biases have been coming to the fore in ways that have shocked some old school Jewish moderates and liberals. 
Okay, and that's a very judicious response. Wait until we see what's actually alleged. The second one, this is for my own personal edification, Robert. Last week, uh, Laura Loomer put out a tweet in which she showed that allegedly Gailey, uh, Riley Gaines had been paid by the DeSantis camp for a speaking event or whatever. And um, in it, it was, a, you know, a, a purportedly, it, probably, it was from the FEC filing, which had a, a, an address on it. I don't know if it's a home or an office or a business or whatever, but an individual's address. Hmm. And uh, Laura, to her credit, took down the original tweet put up a sort of a, a, a defensive, I did nothing wrong, but I'm doing the right thing now anyhow. When it comes to that, you know, publicly available versus publicly put on blast, illegal versus legal, uh, you know, illegal versus doxing, or just contrary to terms of service, would something like that hypothetically be contrary to Twitter terms of service, even if it's publicly accessible somewhere? Oh, it could be Twitter's terms of service. Because I was going to say that, you know, the, uh, in a general rule, you know, your your address is public information, typically. While we call those things doxing, very rarely do those things constitute actionable legal claims. Now, they may uh, be actionable social media claims or employment claims, depending on the circumstances that go beyond the scope of the law itself. That uh, you would have to look at what X's rules are in place at the moment. Okay. And it's, it does say addresses, but it puts home addresses under private information. But most people don't fully appreciate most home addresses are not private. And so right. I presume it would have been violative of the terms of service of Twitter. Okay. And setting that aside, at least she did the right thing in due course after the damage was done. <laughs> Better late than never. All right, Robert. So the, tr the Trump, what do we start? Oh, oh, where do we start? Do we start with Angeron's gag order being lifted by or being stayed by an appellate judge in New York who said... We have some First Amendment uh, violation concerns in this. I don't know. Apparently, uh, Angeron has issued four orders that have been overturned by a higher court in New York, but I couldn't name all of them with the exception of the gag order. I don't know if you know offhand what other orders Angeron had issued that have been overturned. Well, it shows up in the, mis uh, the mistrial motion, one of them, which was he was delaying ruling on the summary judgment motions until the eve of trial which basically ambushed the Trump team into not knowing what to prepare for trial for until the appeals court finally ordered him to issue an opinion uh, uh, before trial. So, you know, he, he's been game playing the entire time in ways that have been adverse to the Trump team, even when he's been overturned on appeal. He also tried to immediately disband the Trump organization, which would have led to mass unemployment uh, in, in, for the Trump employees. And that the Court of Appeals also stepped in and overturned uh, and invalidated. So when they, I mean, to the, uh, the Court of Appeals, I think, could have done more. This is a case that I think should have been shut down by the federal courts for selective prosecution, should have been shut down by the Courts of Appeals for being a baseless case from the inception. But uh, they have sporadically and belatedly got in. But when they have, they've usually corrected his rulings that have been to the extreme. And the, their motion for mistrial reveals the scale and scope of the problems. But here again, once any a judge looked at the, the grounds he overturned the gag order was precisely the grounds we discussed, where a lot of legal scholars and so-called legal analysts didn't even comment on, which is there is no right of judges to prevent criticism of them or their staff. There, that, that has never been a basis of prior restraint. The only permissible basis of prior restraint 
has been uh, certain kinds of national security information. And even then, as the New York Times case, the Pentagon Papers remi- uh, should remind everybody, even then, that usually that isn't even grounds. Otherwise, it's just immediate impact of the jury. In other words, to make, let's say you had excluded evidence as a judge, and the prosecutor, as the jury was walking in, screamed what it was, right? That's what you could claim as a gag order to prohibit that degree of influence, illicit influence on a jury. That is literally it. And there's no other grounds. And this judge is just doing whatever he wanted, as he's done throughout the case, no matter how many times he gets reprimanded by the appeals courts, no matter how many times he gets criticized. So, uh, so it's not surprised that the gag order was overturned, uh, enjoined, that the fines are probably going to be set aside, that gag order will be further evidence and already was at, uh, evidence introduced in their, their motion for mistrial which there were things in the motion for mistrial that I I even didn't know had happened. Uh, now, uh, the, I, I'll go over some of them because the extent of the Allison Greenfield relationship, I never, like, it's funny that a, a visual really puts things in a different perspective, but seeing her on the bench with Engeron, it's just sitting next on, I think it's on his right, like, like two uh, Stalin-esque decision makers, it really put into perspective what they're complaining about in terms of constant back and forth of notes. Uh, what's her name? Allison Greenfield. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on Greenfield. You'll get the other ones that I miss. Donating in 2022 over the legal limit contributions to political activist organizations, including uh, Leticia James. I think it was either her uh, re-election or something to do with actually endorsing, supporting Leticia James, who's persecuting Donald Trump. Um, and campaigned she- on that. And, and campaigned on prosecuting, persecuting Trump. Um, what I mean, the, 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 the behavior of Engron towards the Trump defense team, accusing, I forget his name, uh, Kais of, um, of, of misogyny because he's commenting on uh, Allison Greenfield sliding notes back and forth with the judge, seemingly directing this entire trial. Oh yeah, she also uh, chummy chummy with Chuck Schumer. That mistrial motion, if you didn't know what was going on, you wouldn't believe it was true. Which ones am I missing, Robert, that you want to highlight for us? The one that I didn't know about is that the judge himself has been bragging in his newsletter oh. to the school about his actions in this case. And I mean, and, and you know, the that's patently inappropriate, uh, unethical, unprofessional conduct. That goes beyond just the obvious partisan bias we can all witness. But there's certain basic prophylactic rules that exist. A judge can't comment on a case outside of the courtroom. He's been doing that repeatedly. So not only they catch his wife sharing memes and a whole bunch of things about the case, hostile to Trump on social media, so it's a member of his family, but he himself has been doing this. So it's not only when he's not showing photos of his abs, he's busy showing photo memes and articles about how he's screwing Trump and bragging mm-hmm. about it. She campaigned on this. She, she referred to it indirectly as the real estate case. But when she was campaigning for a judgeship herself, was talking about how she's the co-judge in the case, how they're out to get him, how her objective is to be a partisan judge. I mean, these are extraordinarily shocking things to be explicitly and expressly stated. Uh, I don't think this case, this judge is so insane. I don't think this case has any chance of being affirmed, even from a corrupt, partisan, democratic New York higher court system because it's so embarrassing and so humiliating to the judiciary of New York. Uh, actually, good, good, good mention. I had talked about the anger on in his Wheatley alumni paper, you know, in addition to the nudie pick, which is inappropriate but not judicially corrupt. 
posting links to how he's screwing Eric Trump, the decisions he's made. And that's right, uh, what's her face, having run for a judgeship and lost and calling herself the co-judge. It's, it's and insane. And that her goal is the partisan goal of her constituents. Said, I'm not here to make precedent on law. I'm here to make precedent based on the goal, partisan objectives of my constituents. I mean, this is overt, open, blatant. Well, we can all witness. But most corrupt judges are smart enough not to tell the world how corrupt and partisan they are. These two nitwits can't do that. It's shocking. So the, the uh, a higher level judge, the higher level, one judge from the Court of Appeal lifted the gag order, said uh, this isn't a criminal trial. There's no jury in here to intimidate. Um, I got First Amendment rights uh, concerns lifted. We'll see what that does. Uh, is there, there's nothing else coming out of the New York case that I know of. Um, they, they had no, the other one is, I mean, you get a sense for, I think part of this is Robert Kennedy's campaign and some other factors. But you know how insane the legal arguments are against Trump when liberal Democratic judges or judges in liberal Democratic states like uh, or anti-Trump Republicans like those in New Hampshire, like those in Michigan, like those now even in Colorado say that Trump cannot be removed from the ballot. And interestingly, the Colorado judge made the exact argument I made that certain legal scholars are up. So oh, that doesn't apply. You can't make that argument. That, that's crazy. And even the liberal Democratic Trump hating, donating to Trump opponent organizations said exactly the same thing, said it's quite clear the 14th Amendment doesn't even apply to the president of the United States, couldn't even apply to ballot access for the president. Even the even a near commie is admitting this truth. <laughs> so, I mean, at this point, you know, the argument is open and shut. And I think their ballot and especially the constant threat of Robert Kennedy absorbing those votes anyway but it, I think is a reinforcing factor behind these liberal Democratic judges being a little less eager to get Trump off the ballot. But, but, but legally, this is the common sense conclusion that can be reached. Now, but L Lawrence Tribe was the one who had been promoting this idea as a legitimate and actually... And that political hack that Mike Pence relied upon for his bogus <laughs> January 6th impression, who was that right-wing nut job that a bunch of Federal Society people wanted to put on the Supreme Court until his decision that you could lock up and kill Americans uh, without any constitutional due process was seen as maybe a little too far. So I, I'm picking on Lawrence Tribe because he's a Harvard graduate. I believe he's a Harvard professor, legal mind. He was the one who, from the beginning, I don't think he believes it uh, as far as he can throw my beautiful fossilized turtle shell, but promoting the idea that it's a legitimate and really a legal theory to be reckoned with. And it's, it's out the window now. Now that his initial assessment and legal opinion has been uh, thoroughly humiliated, he's got a pivot and he says, oh, it was, a, it was a Trump victory, but it might be a loss because the judge in that decision came to all sorts of other findings of fact that they'll be able to use against either him or others. Robert, how the hell does a civil judge come to a conclusion in a civil proceeding of insurrection? I mean, is that not a oh, yeah. criminal act? I mean, I just consider that all nuts. Uh, and irrelevant, and because the you know she wanted to take her shots at Trump, uh, fine, take your shots at Trump. It has no meaningful bearing, no it, it, no meaning. I mean, there was no discovery in the process. It was a shortened proceeding. It was a primarily a legal matter. So her conclusions aren't worth the paper they're printed on in terms of the factual claims that she made. There's no collateral estoppel or anything else there. There was no meaningful due process to adjudicate that part of the process. So the uh, so it, it has no bearing uh, on her her nutty conclusions. 
the but well, the fact that someone that nuts acknowledges and admits there's no constitutional basis to deny ballot access by a state official for if for Trump uh, should uh, should tell everybody on that you know ballot denial side that they have a huge very uphill battle. They always did. The question was, would their political predicate, political basis, uh, you know, override that? Um, the uh, it doesn't set precedent. There's no factual precedent from what the Colorado judge said about anything factually. And now the, uh, it's not present even legally. It's just legally it establishes the it, it's even left wing Trump hating judges, as re- re- reflected in the rest of the order proceeding, are having to admit that they can't keep them off the ballot. What I just I mean, illegally non-binding, it's just the fact pattern as per this judge in that case. It will allow the media to run with the narrative. It'll allow the media to now oh, shift sure, and say yeah. judge but found insurrection. They were already running with that narrative. Yeah, so. but, but in, in, no one has even been charged with insurrection. They were charged with, oh, at sure. worst, seditious conspiracy. So yeah. they're going to appeal it. Um, I, I presume no, no, the I, there's no reason for Trump to appeal it. And my guess is the Republicans that try to keep Trump off the ballot probably won't appeal it. So the, uh, I mean, maybe they'll try, but it's highly unlikely. Highly, un- you know, the uh, uh, they're not going to get any higher court to overturn. They're not going to get a higher court to step in and try to keep Trump off the ballot. You know, that that's again, if you can't win in front of a liberal Democratic judge, and some of the Michigan judges had different political backgrounds depending on which ones, but several different ones came to the same conclusion. Yeah, and and I put up a, a Supreme Court brief I filed years ago. There's a long history of this. And the courts constantly come on, come in on the side of ballot inclusion, not ballot exclusion. They, I mean, they know what the ballot's really there for. It's for voter choice. And anything that tries to restrict the ballot is something they've generally been, they've disfavored. Now, if it involves really minor third party or independent candidates, they might screw them at the lower levels, but the higher levels have ultimately stepped in. And that's because they know that if the ballot doesn't remain free, people's perceptions of America's uh, how democratic it is will be severely impaired around the world. That's where I thought, you know, I've said all along that I didn't think courts would go this far. I mean, it was becoming increasingly concerned of the risk of it for to the degree that I think uh, Robert Kennedy's campaign provided some deterrence from Democrats doing it. But putting that aside, constitutionally, there's no basis for it, but also just public policy wise. It, it, it's how suicidal are the courts? Right. And we're seeing that in the New York case. Are the New York Court of Appeals willing to be suicidal so far? No, they're not as, as suicidal as, as the trial court judge wants to be. They're not willing to go down, go down with him. And as much as they want to get Trump, uh, the the these tactics and are backfiring on them in the court of public opinion to such a degree that the judiciary itself is at risk. And historically, the judiciary isn't willing to commit political suicide. We'll see. I mean, maybe they will in the end. Maybe they'll let Trump get locked up. Maybe they won't overturn any of these cases. Maybe they'll let him be excluded from the ballot. But I think these cases are increasingly showing the same pattern. Even Trump hating judges and secretaries of state are saying, no, this is a a bridge too far. Now, the, the finding in Colorado, which says ultimately that the 14th Amendment doesn't even apply to the president. Uh, people were raising the argument that this is a victory for the um, primaries, but not for the general. Does that argument not apply to Mutatis Mutandis? Yeah, of course it would apply to the general. So basically this is, despite Lawrence Tribe, uh, 
AL trying to save face because their legal opinions are, are becoming increasingly. Yeah, I mean, the positive. Minnesota Supreme Court, Democratic Court, these are all Democratic, for the most part, Democratic states or Democratic courts saying, no, you can't do this. And if you, I mean, I've been doing this area of law for a quarter century. If you knew this area of law, you would know how utterly unprecedented what they were asking was. And so my initial reaction was no chance. And then you saw these political hacks willing to cross every Rubicon known to man. And you're like, well, maybe. Uh, but the fact that they've lost all of these. Now, again, I think practically uh, uh, that some aspect of this is being influenced by Robert Kennedy's presence on the ballot in these states coming up. The, I think that has a little something to do with it, given the survey showing the kind of support he has, that basically they risked losing Minnesota and Colorado, New Hampshire, if they took Trump off with Kennedy on. Uh, Biden would lose it to Kennedy. And all of a sudden they're in the same, they're in a worse boat than they were with it beforehand. So the because those are three states they should Biden should win one by close to double digits or better in 2020. Uh, the fact that it was those states not willing to remove Trump from the ballot means this is almost already DOA. You know, you've you've now had including some other cases have been brought where it was jurisprudential grounds it was dismissed. I think eight or nine cases or election elected officials who've rejected the request to remove Trump from the ballot. Uh, you, what you're gonna especially they all can read polls. Right. I mean, there is no election official that really is eager to commit political suicide, however much they hate Trump. The uh, I, and if you go back, that goes back to Wallace's campaign, Perot's campaign, Anderson's campaign, socialist people's campaign. You know, they got away with it some against Nader, but ultimately the court stepped in and later after the fact uh, remedied it and said, actually, this shouldn't have happened. Nader should have been on the ballot. They, they don't like looking like they're manipulating democracy, even when they want to manipulate democracy. And when it's so open, so overt, so blunt, so blatant, that's when it gets too far. And I think this judge knew that uh, if she had denied Trump ballot access, she would have got overturned on everything and then would just look bad in retrospect. So the uh, that that's where I think uh, I, that's the probable trend to continue, uh, especially with Robert Kennedy being a likely independent candidate on all the ballots. I mean, he is already declared as such. And the uh, uh, and he'll, he may have to fight to get on the ballot in some states because of all the crazy laws and crazy rules they try to set up to rig the game. But uh, his continued presence will be a continued deterrent to Democrats eager to, to, to try to kick Trump off the ballot. I mean, even California, which initially was talking about it, suddenly has gone quiet about it. Um, so the I, I think... Part 80% of this is just this is what the law is so overwhelmingly on. Uh, and and judges don't like to commit pure political suicide, take risk. Yes, political suicide. No, um, look to the conservatives during the New Deal era. We'll talk about some of the cases they issued then, but you know, they were they're ready to undo most of the administrative state from the get go until all of a sudden it, there was such a public blowback. They're like, well, now that we think about it, the administrative state's just fine. Uh, you know, I mean, they reversed themselves in mass in, uh, in within a year. Um, judges are not politically tone deaf. That's why the court of public opinion ultimately doesn't always reach them as it should, but usually reaches them when you need it the most. Uh, one last question before we head over to rumble people, I'll put the link in the chat now, but it's, it's the pinned comment. So New York gag order getting overturned or stayed on appeal. Uh, the motion for mistrial was dismissed, heard by anger on dismissed. That's going to be appealed. Oh, it's all without merit. It's all without merit. <laughs> He had no meaningful substantive response to many of those things. He didn't deny that factually most of them were true. Um, he just, you know, just pretended it somehow didn't mean anything. It didn't have any consequence. It, 
he's setting himself up to just get easily overturned. He thought he would be a hero, and instead he's becoming a villain. And that would he just doesn't under he lives in such a bubble. He didn't understand that the abuse of power that these judges are used to with with uh, less famous client, less famous defendants can't do against Trump. I mean, that that's the scale that all of these judges and prosecutors and state elected officials and others have misgaged that, you know, they were like, hey, I got away with it for years. That, you know, the prosecutors like James and other contexts got away with it for years. And all of a sudden it's backfiring on them. I mean, it's like the prosecutors in Kenosha didn't expect the Kyle Rittenhouse case to backfire on them. They thought they'd become heroes, not villains, because it's because they don't understand the court of public opinion on some of these cases. But also, I mean, similar to the, you know, the efforts of the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture in harassing uh, uh, Amos Miller, which, by the way, you can go to uh, a pinned tweet, a pinned comment at vivabarneslaw.locals.com. Doing a special fundraiser for uh, Amos Miller for Free America Law Center, supporting his cause. You can get yourself some apple butter just in time for the holidays, homemade by the Amish farmer Amos Miller. But, you know, the part of the public backing him uh, it was a key reason why we've been able to get him to a place where, you know, he's allowed to sell, still not as broad as we want it to be, but at least he's allowed to sell some meat, allowed to sell some operations. His farm didn't close. They didn't seize it. But all that happened because all of a sudden there all the public stories weren't all bashing him. Uh, the, the court of public opinion always matters, but regardless of what anybody tells you. Does that mean the court of public opinion is always determinative? No. But the idea that it's insignificant, inconsequential, you're seeing in live time in these Trump cases, uh, even liberal Democratic courts that I guarantee you hate and despise Donald Trump personally are saying, ah, no, we're not willing to go that far. Um, and now, d- does this have an impact on, um, what's her name, Fannie Willis and or Jack Smith? If they're seeing the way these are going in New York and Colorado and Michigan and New Hampshire, wherever it is. Are, well, are Fannie's they- just trying to buy time. And her so-called proffers with lawyers leaked, and there's nothing really. And in fact, it makes her case look weaker rather than better. And she basically just wanted to bring the charges because the trial is not happening until after Election Day which means who knows what happens after election day. But my guess is if Trump was elected, those charges are going to go away in Georgia. So that, that was more theater than it was reality. The Florida case, because the federal, the, the, there you have a decent judge. And so she is unwilling to allow those cases to uh, progress in an imp, in imp, uh, impermissible manner. And so those are getting delayed to probably after election day. So they're, they're, all of their eggs are really in one basket, and it's the D.C. case. And my guess is that D.C. case's judge's gag order is about is going to be overturned before Christmas Day. And that will be another loss and more egg in the face. Uh, while the Supreme Court is likely to take up some January 6 cases and start to reverse some of the things that have already taken place. So I think that what they're doing is they're setting themselves up for failure uh, and an embarrassing failure. The greatest threat to the president is still the D.C. case, and hopefully somebody steps in and does something to put that case back on the right track. Uh, maybe we go through theater. People ask what happens if you know Trump is jailed. Doesn't matter. Uh, what happens if he wins uh, the and, and he's in jail? It'll make the entire federal judicial system look like a joke. And at that point, my guess is uh, these, either the Supreme Court or somebody would step in and set it all aside. 
the uh, now my hunch is still that Biden's going to do this on the federal charges to per if he loses to to cover for his own family, he'll disguise it as a broad political pardon mm. to restore order and help integrity because that's Joe Biden. He likes to bring people together, especially especially over bribes. Then he really likes to bring them together. The uh, uh, even though, you know, he was running around kissing up to G this past week asking where that money is, or maybe I'll have to send some more ships to the sea. The, uh, but, we'll, uh, but I think we're seeing at least some promise. Uh, while we're still seeing ridiculous actions against the president, against President Trump, we're at least seeing some restraint start to step in by the judicial branches that, okay, maybe we shouldn't go too far. So hopefully that side of the judiciary can, uh, continues to show promise even while uh, Joe Biden uh, is trying to take over the internet in the interim. Okay, now we're going to do this. We're going to head over to Rumble, and I'll give everyone the Viva Barnes link, but I seem to have gotten rid of that live link. Uh, One more time, here's the link to Rumble, people. Uh, Come on over, because we're going to end now. Let's see the number go down, 2872, 2887. That's the wrong direction. Come on over to, okay, and let me just give the the link to the live chat. If everybody wants, go for it. On Tuesday. On YouTube and Rumble, I'll be live at 1 p.m. Eastern time with the Durant to discuss the Argentinian election, where it looks like a good right-leaning populist just got elected president, to discuss what the heck's going on in Catalonia and Spain, to discuss Biden and Xi, to discuss the U.S. political perspective on the Israeli-Hamas conflict, what kind of consternation is uh, happening at the State Department and the Biden administration and the intelligence apparatus amongst the ordinary voters. Uh, why Scott Horton needs to go to the nut house for a little while because of how crazy he is about Israel. And he needs to quit lying about Robert Kennedy just because he hates Israel. The, uh, we'll be talking about that and other things uh, on the show on Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Community, remind me not to go live Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Okay, we are going to end on YouTube. You all have the links to both Rumble and VivaBarnesLaw.Locals.com ending on YouTube in 3, 2, 1. See you all there. Okay, now let me go to the list, Robert. What's next on the list? We got Scott. Oh, oh. The big one, the top topic, the number one topic. Uh, on the board poll, uh, this was going to be the 10th topic. We'll move it up to the fourth topic. Is Joe Biden trying to take over the internet? Robert, I, now here's one where I didn't tune out because it's redistricting and I get bored or gerrymandering and I get bored from it. I tune out because I don't understand it. I understand the, the words I'm reading on a page, but not how they come together. The, Biden apparently... Um, has issued rules, or the, is it the FCC has issued rules basically to treat the internet like a utility, which I thought was good. So I got my, my Homer Simpson. That's good. And then I read, um, then I see other people analyzing this saying it is Biden trying to control, regulate, and nationalize the internet, which is bad. And I don't know even which way to go. You sent me the guidelines, the broad guidelines, and I can't digest it. So, I mean, flesh it out to make sense to me. They want to treat the internet like a utility, impose net neutrality, which I always thought was good. You don't want people banning or uh, companies banning, censoring, et cetera, et cetera, for the content of the speech. Where does it become bad? Well, I mean, really, what you have is a mixed deal. So you have aspects of this uh, regulation that I think are actually good and positive, as you note. And then you have aspects that are risky and dangerous uh, for censorship and state control. And the truth is somewhere in between. The problem is a lot of the Republicans and conservatives pushing that net neutrality means the government's going to run everything, quite frankly, aren't doing it because they really care about censorship or state control. They care about rate regulation. 
They care about protecting the broadband and big tech companies, right? When you see people who've been long time in the pocket of big tech companies who never said boo about big tech censorship, suddenly deeply concerned about whether Biden's taking over the internet, be a little skeptical of what their motivations might mean. Because as you note, there's aspects of this that are good and there's aspects of this that are risky. And people are getting either the glamorized version or the demonized version and not getting a balanced version. It's kind of like Israel, right? It's either all love them or hate them, and you, you can't get any geopolitical realism from anybody. Everybody loses their mind. Mearsheimer loses his mind. McGregor loses his mind. Everybody just starts to go berserk when the word Israel comes up. Dave Smith, God bless his soul, he loses his mind. Tom Woods, God bless his soul, loses. They, they, they lose their mind when it comes to this topic. Ben Shapiro, he's always, I mean, he's, he lost his mind years ago, but I mean, now really loses his mind when it comes to this. Even people like Joel Pollack and others at Breitbart that I like, they kind of lose at least a little bit of their mind when it comes to this topic. Mark Levin, ooh, he's totally gone. So, but the, the same sort of in, imbalance occurs in this FCC internet debate because the, the, now the legal question is the FCC is, uh, has the right under the Communications Act of 1934 to govern telecommunications carriers. They also have the right to govern information service providers, but they have far fewer rights to govern the latter. Now, the question is, can they just designate broadband providers, telecom, uh, rather than internet, rather than, uh, rather than information service providers? Historically, the courts say, yes, you, the, the FCC has that power. From that power stems all of these rules, in which here's the good part. They regulate broadband as a common carrier. That means all the common carrier duties apply, and that means a lot of censorship and other rules actually uh, are less able to censor, less able to block, less able to do these things. Uh, more accessibility is supposed to be the driving purpose behind this. So, for example, a lot of the net neutrality rules, I never understood. Drudge hated them. Other people were scared of them. I never quite understood that. I, I can understand other aspects of being concerned about where telecom regulation, common carrier limitations can go. But the, the, the I mean, here's what the net neutrality rules actually say in the proposed rule. A, a, an internet service provider, a broadband company, cannot block you, cannot throttle accounts, cannot do paid prioritization. This help, this, this diminishes censorship, not increases it. Um, it provides the possibility to in, improve access. Uh, and honestly, I, rate regulation doesn't bother me in the telecom context. So the uh, I'm for extending these. I've, I've been for you treating them as common carriers all the way through. So I'm not going to suddenly reverse now because the Biden administration. Where there's some legitimate concern is some of the other things they talk about in their notice, uh, and people can send in comments on this because they only put this out in October because it's a notice to of a proposed rule change, is, uh, the, is, is first that they should be allowed the FCC to block certain internet service providers in the name of national security, in the name of public safety, in the name of consumer protection. That I would have a problem with, and because that's not power they really ever utilized, but very rarely with foreign-owned well, communications companies. That just displaces the current problem of censorship and takes it, the power away from the company and gives it to the government, which is probably no. even worse. Exactly. That's why I'm for the net neutrality rules. I'm opposed to these other ideas they're saying that they can utilize 
in the context of uh, treating it as a common carrier. And now that you mentioned this and you mentioned the price or uh, regulating the prices, now that I think about it, one of the analyses I saw or the speeches was, I think it was McCarthy from about a month ago saying, you know, there hasn't been any inflation in rates and we don't want them regulating the rates. And now that makes sense in terms of what you're saying now to put that together. Okay. And what is is some of this is digital access that broadband is not as accessible to a large part of the population as it could be. Uh, that it's very well present in, in urban areas, but not in rural areas, not in underserved uh, economic areas, where it's just not economically competitive to provide it. But if you treat it as a common carrier, then you can require them to provide access there. I, I honestly have no problem with that. I mean, these are common carriers. So all the rules and regulation, they're like the public commons. And, and we've always recognized that there are limits to private property when you have a public monopoly over the public commons. That's a very different animal. And I've, all, I've long made that argument. I'm not going to reverse now because the Biden administration wants to abuse that power in certain respects. We should focus on the abuse of the power, not the proper, correct use of the power. Uh, so the uh, that's where the, the, there's a lot good in these laws and there's a fair bit dangerous. And it's just making a distinction between the two. It's not a case of either no control or all control. There is a median in between. And by the way, conservatives should think about this because it's this very power of the FCC that they are themselves championing to to take away TikTok because it's uh, you know of its Chinese influence. So which is it? Do you, do you think the, this power exists or not? Uh, that you know the the that they're cheering for and limiting foreign ownership of real estate in America. Similar kind of power constitutionally. So it's like it's strange that they suddenly take objection now. When this very power they themselves are citing for a political objectives that they want. Um, and I think they haven't thought this through thoroughly because it's the Biden administration and because so many conservatives are really running a lobbyist campaign disguised as a public policy campaign. And a lot of the stuff that's being circulated is being circulated by big broadband providers who don't want to be a common carrier. And the common carrier provisions is a key to limiting the power of big tech in ways conservatives generally want. And that's where they, they should be careful about. There's a balanced approach here to take uh, with how this is done. Okay. Very cool. Robert, if I may. And, uh, constitutionally, here's their problem. Even though there's this long history of precedence saying they can just designate somebody a telecom provider rather than information service provider, in the current economic structure, this may be called a major question. And the major question doctrine set aside the predecessor, the, and they may also completely eviscerate Chevron deference. And the Supreme Court may come in and say, maybe this is a good policy idea, maybe it's not, but it's for Congress to establish these limitations on broadband, not the FCC, when the this hasn't been explicitly given to the FCC, and it's an impact question. I think constitutionally, they're not likely to ultimately prevail despite the long history of them always winning on this precise question for the last 20 years. Okay, fascinating. Now, Robert, before I get too far behind, because I think I already am, uh, let me deal with some rumble. Them rumble always rants. winning. On Hold on, stop right there. Uh, because I didn't get to any of these. Devon, Devin Graham, 31. Donna Brazile is married to Mayor Muriel Bowser, Bowser in a lesbianic relationship. Imagine it. I had no idea that that's even true. David, uh, Devon Graham, 31, says, imagine the lesbianic connection between... 
Sapphic Lover Don Brazil. I don't know what I'm reading right here. And Mayor Muriel Browser, January 6th DC Gulag debate questions. January 6th inside job with, with LGBT connection. Okay, I have no idea what that was, but thank you very much, Devin. Millet One, that's Tropical Rocket. Devin Graham says, while Donna Brazil and Mayor Muriel Browser made a sweet lesbian love in the evening, Bowser was denying more production of January 6th. These people are wild men. Now I think I understand it a little better. Hawk Gomez says, Viva, I'd like to send you a rather longer message. I don't know where to send it, so I'd appreciate your guidance. I don't want to spam this chat. Can oh. you find me on Twitter DM? That might be the, the best way because I still get those um, uh, DMs from people who I'm not following. Ryb94, big win for the right populism with Javier Malay winning in Argentina. His opponent has conceded. I was Googling that to see if we could get an update. Thank you. I'm not your buddy guy says, I am not a sycophant for Israel, but it pisses me off with the disinformation occurring and people trusting a terrorist organization, even calling these war crimes. I mean, look at what was needed to end World War II. I, I brought that up just as a, just to point out the flaws in people's reasoning that the, everyone's saying, show me the pictures of the beheaded babies or it's propaganda, then say, oh no, uh, I believe everything that Hamas tells me about the Al-Shafi hospital, about the babies on incubator. It's like th they don't apply the same standards, which shows the underlying bias. I, am, I apply the same standards everywhere. I don't believe anybody. And it's a very, very tough thing to deal with these days. Um, okay, Devin Graham, I'm gonna, let me skip over this one. Uh, national security, urban, okay, there's a threat to national security. Five dancing massage agents must be examined very closely. I'm not your buddy guy. Even this stupid argument on equivalency. What do you want Israel to grape, uh, to, to, okay, the same number of women, kill the same number of babies, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Devon Graham, is ethnic cleansing okay when Israel does it to Palestine? Oy vey. Well, there's, a, there's an argument now that they've changed the definition of, of ethnic cleansing genocide to include um, uh, uh, displacing of a population so now technically people can use the word accurately even though it doesn't mean historically what people understood it to mean uh Devin Graham says is Barnes too old I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna be mean to anybody here I'm not your buddy guy did you see how China has removed Israel from its maps I don't think that's new I think that's actually old because I remember that happening in the last intifada I'm, I'm uh, supposed to join the IDF it's better than hey Barnes I'm sure I'm sure on Tuesday on the Duran I'll get a lot of well when you get in your Jew check Barnes hey, how much do you like kissing up to the Jew <laughs> you, you kiss the Jew ring don't you Barnes you know I, Jew I, haters that's the thing with these guys like oh no my my opposition to Israel is totally based on geopolitics and then you just scratch a little beneath the surface and the Jew hatred just starts pouring out they can't help themselves uh, but to the question, there is a common confusion about net neutrality. It does not mean there has to be like equal content providers on both sides or equal access. It's not like the FCC rule involving talk radio. Net neutrality means they have to be neutral to the content of the provider. The internet service provider can't throttle someone or block someone because of their content if it's lawful. That's all it means in the context of this rule. And you can read the rule for yourself to, to confirm that. All right, we got two more rumble rounds, chats that I missed, or super chats. 2020 election was the most secure in history from not a banned account. Oh, yes. That's a joke, by the way, guys. Uh, John the Man says, did, did the founders have a blind spot? Were they unable to foresee the obvious holes in the judicial system that allow for the chi this childish leftist lunacy to go on? Not, not the real founders. In my view, the real founders are the anti-federalists. I say that because the entire Barnes family were anti-federalists uh, at the time. Uh, voted no on changing the Constitution until the 10, 10 Bill of Rights were added to it. The, and what they said at the time was this is too much power to the judiciary. Mm -hmm. And it was the elitist side of the founders that said, don't worry, the judiciary will work just great. And the, and the anti-federalists were once again, you, you look at a lot of the arguments anti-federalists made, 
they, they were they were much more accurate than the Federalists were about the problems in, of the Constitution. Franklin himself said it was a co tortured compromise, and he just hoped it worked. Uh, so the, 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 there, were, there were aspects of the Constitution that were always frail. The best aspects of it were the Ten Amendments that were not in the original Constitution, the Bill of Rights that they were forced to adopt because the Anti-Federalists were winning in the court of public opinion so much that they had to promise to add those amendments in order to get secure passage of the original Constitution which, by the way, was illegal in a coup under the Articles of Confederation. But I'll occasionally get somebody will argue, can I argue I'm under the Articles of Confederation government or the Northwest Ordinance? And I'm like, good luck with that. Uh, legally, you might have a claim. Uh, practically, not so much. So, you know, so you, you got to deal with the reality of it. All right. Now, before one more before we get into the next subject. I'm not your buddy guy. Says again, I'm not a sycophant for Israel, but call me crazy. But I can only conclude it is just simple Jew hatred. Otherwise, why are Jews in Canada or pick a country being threatened? The argument is going to be that they're not. It's only because they're supporting a, a, a genocidal uh, apartheid regime. I mean, basically, what's fascinating is how much confession through projection there is. Because the Palestinians are basically a gen have been built on a segregated genocide regime of politics, what they believe in. And, 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 you know, you can agree, disagree with Israel. You can hate, like, whatever. The failure for them to recognize who Palestinian cause is, is well, extraordinary. I'll, say, well, I'll get people I, to say, why are you so hostile to Palestine? I'm like, I'm not really hostile to Palestinians. I just listen to what they say and look at what they've done. Name the group that's engaged in terrorism once every 10 years on a guaranteed level for more than a century. The Palestinians are the only ones in the entire world that have that prominent achievement. And why is that? Study their culture. Look at the political viewpoints. Look at their cultural viewpoints. The people that have decided to stay in Palestine. Now, remember, there's plenty of Palestinians that have left and have nothing to do with the so-called Palestinian cause. But the, the ones that are there, they're, they're not bashful about this. And for, you know, for political correctness purposes, uh, saying otherwise. Now, that does not mean you can justify civilian casualties deliberately and intentionally. Those are two very different concepts. Well, and and I'll, 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 I'll play the devil's advocate, but I'll also just, I can steal man the argument. People are going to say, and Robert, I mean, I, I've heard you say it, and it's, it's the argument. They voted Hamas in. They voted Hamas in in 2006, and there haven't been elections since. So that's, that's one thing to consider. Oh, yeah, we don't know exactly how much they are fully embracing. But here's the reality. You know who Hamas fears would might take their power? More radical groups. I mean, that's, that's just the nature <laughs> well, of the at, Palestinian mindset, sadly. But well, it, it's at, been that way for more than a century. Well, and, and in the, part, it's because nobody has called them on it with any consistency in large parts of the non-Israeli world. I mean, and when I was in, uh, alive in the 90s, there was a robust Israeli peace movement. There's not now. And, and for the same reasons. Bill Clinton was just talking about this. So this part, Clinton was like, I gave them Palestinians everything they said they wanted. I gave them all of Gaza. I gave them 97% of the West Bank. I gave them huge amounts of money in exchange for any land claims they could have ever had on Israel. And then Arafat And you know what? In. They said, screw off. Hmm. Yasser Arafat said, I don't want to become like Sadat. So I mean, it, they don't want the definition of pan-Arab nationalism, of Palestinian nationalism, is that no Jewish state exists, period. Until people realize that, they're not going to understand the conflict. Now, you can agree with that. You can disagree with that. But geopolitically, you can't pretend that's not the case. And that's what so many of these people are doing without embracing the position of the hardliners. 
that say this justifies mass murder on a mass scale, like that loony Israeli general talking about nuclear weapons. I can't, um, it's, but it's, know, it's so, so stupid. I don't, I mean, it's so stupid because I don't even know how you use nuclear weapons on such a small scale. It's, it's, it's it logistically doesn't make sense, but it's just also rhetorically um, offensive for obvious reasons. And I also don't like hearing people say, turn it to glass and level it and whatever. I don't think, yeah. you know, half the I mean, population people don't is... want to do mass bombing and all the other stuff. Well, so, so no, but, the, uh, I, I but yeah, it'll we'll... be a fun discussion with the, uh, with the Duran on Tuesday. I'm sure the chat's going to be aflame. Well, uh, that Duran always tries to sort of just stay geopolit- realistic geopolitical analysis and not give uh, personal preferences. That's the hardest topic to do that in is the topic of Israel, uh, because people who love it or hate it to such a degree that geopolitical realism is very hard to find, sadly. Um, but, you know, a place where we need some geopolitical realism is going to be the Supreme Court of the United States in some upcoming cases. Well, hold on. Before we even get there, we might just want to get the Israel war crimes topic. Oh, sure. Out. Yeah. Well, we're at it. But, but hold, let, let me just bring this one up because I want to address this one. Hold on. Where, how do I find it? Where did it go? It says, OK, hold on. Where is the best place to book and read on the Federalist Papers? Is it, okay, Robert, where, where do we where do On the anti-Federalist Papers? I can find those. Okay. Pepe Pence is this. Devil's Advocate, what reports on journalism do you believe in this conflict? The same reports and news that lied about all the other stuff. We don't know what we don't know. That is the sad truth. Well, that, that is all that I'm saying. I don't believe anything. I don't... It's, I, so, uh, I mean, the one thing I believe is I believe that Hamas and the Palestinians are say do, do what they want. Well, to say, I, I, those, I take them at their word when they say this is our objective. That, our objective that's, that's, is to abolish Israel. That, our objective is to repeat the acts of October 7th over and over and over again. I would say, okay, yeah, but that, that, that's what the Palestinian cause has been about for more than a century. I, I, so the, I take the, them at their word on that. Well, that, that would be the, 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 not the glib, but like the rhetorical responses. I don't believe everything it, the IDF says. I don't believe anything oh, yeah. Hamas says when they come out and say hospital bomb. But when or they the do say things. that were on, you know, taking photos of with, those horrific October 7th events working for the Associated Press and Reuters. Well, and, and what does that I, tell I, you about how unreliable the media is in, in, the, in the Palestinian world? And yet the Aaron Mates, the Max Blumenthal's, the Glenn Greenwald's, they all lose any common sense when it comes to Israel. They they will regard Caitlin Johnston's the well, Scott. Aaron, Horton. Aaron Mate. I mean, is, Scott is, Horton lied about Robert Kennedy because there's everybody on the uh, on that the anti-Israeli left is enraged that Kennedy is pro-Israel, and so the uh, they have the best peace candidate the left has proposed in arguably American history, and there's and they're refusing to support him because they're so obsessed with their uh, their Israeli hatred. And Scott Horton went around lying to everybody uh, in between saying, excusing bin Laden and excusing everybody else, saying that all the terrorism is Israel's fault. Hmm, that's funny. I thought it didn't come from Israel. Uh, I thought it came from Israel's critics, uh, Scotty. But in the uh, he went around lying about RFK's campaign. He said, Robert Kennedy has lost his entire field campaign. And I was like, hmm. Since I know some of those people and it's about 50 plus people, how could that be? It turned out Scott Horton was just lying because he's a big fat fraud when it comes to topics like this. And how can you trust him on anything else? I, Whenever I hear someone call Gaza an open air prison, I completely disregard that person at that point. I'm like, you're not a serious person. You're not, you're not serious about this topic. McGregor has been saying ludicrous things. Turkey's going to get involved. Erdogan has been all talk, no walk his entire life about these guys. Well, no, but Robert, I'll, I'll, not, this is not playing devil's advocate or, or playing semantics. 
I, th there's some areas that are impoverished. I, well, you, you, I, and when I say I don't oh, trust sure. anything, I don't trust anything. They had also their, their, they had a videos that they were showing how, you know, the, the beach resorts and all these things. Bottom line, if people can't leave or travel freely, most people will call that an open air prison. It just might be a, a you know, a, a better oh, prison. Well, not than open air prison. That doesn't make any sense at it's, all. It's, it's, it, it's hyperbolic. Someone, I mean, uh, anybody with that, with passport controls. I mean, by that definition, every country that has some level of passport control, some part of their population's in prison. Well, I got, I got, well, I, I would compare to an actual prison. True, but I would have referred, and I think I did refer to Quebec as something of an open air prison where we couldn't go, you know, more than three kilometers. Well, from our when house. you had real lockdown restrictions, <laughs> yes, and yes, so, but but you know the, and again, there, that's not Israel, that's mostly Egypt that has secured that border and won't let people in. And, and on the West and Bank, why, mostly and, Jordan, not Israel. Well, and the why people don't actually know or understand, but which is where they I don't want to know. They don't understand that everywhere the Palestinians have gone, they've created a disaster. So nobody in the Arab world wants them. Jordan doesn't want them. Egypt doesn't want them. Lebanon doesn't want them. That, that's why, because every time they go in there, they try to overthrow the government and try to kill people. <laughs> that's, well, and, 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 that's, that's what happens when your entire movement is based on it legitimizes terror as a, as a mean, and some of it's you know it reflects a difference of opinion. I mean, Islam is never going to be a popular religion in in the West, and definitely not in America. And frankly, for good cause. And you know, it's one of those politically incorrect things you're not supposed to talk about. But it's like there's only one religion that has been used to justify terrorism for the last century, the and that that's been Islam. And it's not a coincidence because unlike Christianity, unlike Buddhism, unlike Judaism, unlike many of Mormonism, unlike other religions. What uh, Islam is unique at explicitly saying in its religious text and its supportive text that, hey, you can kill your enemy. You can enslave your enemy. You can rape your enemy. You can treat other religions as lesser people and, and destroy them and do whatever you want with them. Uh, Islam is relatively unique in that respect. It's because it arose in combination with political regi regimes who used it to justify their colonial imperialistic exp expansion. That's why it's always so ironic to hear Arab Muslims talk about how they hate imperialism, hate colonialism. How do they think they got there? Now, you could be like, do you know what's fascinating? A bunch of Palestinians have convinced themselves they're really the original Philistines. <laughs> I mean, that's how nuts this is. They're delusional. They make the Klan look like a group of moderate tolerance. This is just, you got to deal with it as a reality. Uh, while at the same time recognizing that that doesn't mean that Israeli tactics are always morally good, legally good, good tactically good, or politically good. You can have a balance between the two. Um, but it's, sadly, you, you can't if you just hate Israel. Um, but take the war crime allegations. Aside from the double standards being imposed, you're seeing people on the right well, repeat uh, left-wing Marxist like, uh, nonsense. Just to even stop you there. Like, let's even if you have a gripe against the Israeli government saying they're bombing densely populated civilian areas, knowing that there's going to be civilian casualties, some might say that's well, pretty much every war. That's, since I was going to say some, some might say welcome to war. It's a terrible thing. If they're going to, they want to hold the the Israeli government to war crimes, and then want to pretend that Hamas is not the government of the Palestinians. If even if we grant Israel has committed war, let's just say if. Hamas is the government. Are they not going to say that what they did on October 7th is a war crime? And now yeah. people are, and now the new narrative, by the way, of the day is we heard Hamas. Some of their apologist excuses. They're oh, always they, so we, lame. We didn't know. Well, that we were, didn't plan on, you know, landing in a concert. But once we were there, why don't we just go rape and murder some civilians? We didn't know we, it was there. But we Palestinian got, mindset that all the, the Scott Hortons of the world apologize for. 
It's, but it is, it is delusional where they say, oh, Hamas didn't know in advance of that, of that attack on the concert. They were just there and they saw it. And then Hamas gave the last minute okay. So they're not committing horrible war crimes. I've seen like a, a report. I mean, they detail. use ambulances to transport troops in arms. They're, they use hospital schools and mosques to make, to fire weapons. I, I saw Clinton a video. himself talked about. This has been the case throughout their entire history. I mean, what, Palestinian terrorism is something new? It's something that's been steady. It's the one thing you can bet on year after year. Within the next year, within the next five years, within the next 10 years, we'll have another Palestinian terroristic event towards civilians because we've had it consistently for more than 100 years. There's, there's, more than 100 years of uninterrupted terrorism by the Palestinians. And when they lose, they just bitch, whine, and moan about it and demand everybody come in and give them back what they lost because their terrorism failed. That's the that's the Palestinian cause writ large. And that's why nobody sane supports them. While at the same time, and that's the uh, the arguments for Israel committing war crimes, they're very weak. They're insubstantial. So, you know, the International Criminal Court filings, who cares? Israel's not a member of the International Criminal Court. The International Criminal Court is a complete joke. It's a political hack court. It's the places where people like Jack Smith, you know, got tutored on how to abuse the law. You know, they're clearly trying to they're trying to execute. They're trying to put the death penalty on Putin for crying out loud. What's fascinating is God bless Kim dot com. He recognizes the International Criminal Court as a joke when it comes to Putin. And then magically, it's a very important case when it comes to Israel. Come on, quit losing your mind, bro. The, uh, the, the this uh, the allegation of war crimes, for the most part, are very weak. There are examples of it in the past against Israel without question, like there is against the United States, well, so, like there is against every government in the world. Though it would still pale in comparison to the criminal record of Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Palestinian leadership. What would be the what would be the best example that you can think of offhand of a bona fide, you know, quasi-legitimate accusation of Israel war crimes? Would it be Sabra Shatila massacre? Uh, I, there's there's ones throughout history where. There, there is substantial evidence that they knew it was a civilian target that did not have a military purpose of the attack. That's to me, and like that's what people are kind of ignoring is the laws of war. That the fact that you have you're going to inflict more civilian casualties on your enemy than were inflicted on you is not the definition of proportionality for war. Mm-hmm. Proportionality is defined here. Joel Pollack for Breitbart has been very accurate at defining this. He's a lawyer himself as well. Uh, the proportionality is dual use. America's used dual use more than anybody. And what does dual use mean? If the civilian infrastructure could be used for war purposes, don't even have to prove it is, just could, then it's a legitimate target. We bomb the hell out of everybody. We use bombing far more than Israel ever has. We use it more than any country in the world has. We firebomb Tokyo, killed a lot more people than the nuke did. We firebomb Dresden. I mean, I mean, uh, even though it was a place of anti-Nazi resistance. Well, so, but, so uh, but some, some people say you fought, they, we the the, the the allies firebombed Dresden because Germany was doing the overbombing. I mean, of, they of called Britain. Curtis was... LeMay. Curtis bombs away LeMay because of how much he loved doing it. I mean, the, uh, the there's a reason why all the generals from World War, so many of the generals from World War II portrayed in Doctor Strangelove. He's portraying actual generals in that film, by the way. People don't know it. They're based on very specific characters. Mark Grobert has talked about this with uh, Eric Hunley on. America's untold stories. I think they're going to be in. Uh, aren't they going to be they're, in? They're, uh, they're in Texas. They're in Dallas right now. They have. They're having their show. They're going to have. Uh, they're. In, they've been in Dallas since Friday, so they're. They're very busy. Ah, so yeah, at the 60th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. Mm-hmm. So, but all of the all those generals had no problem with nuclear weapons. Why? 
because they were like, nuclear weapons are less destructive than what we did in World War I and World War II in terms of civilian casualty losses. So proportionality has always has been defined legally. In the, and again, this is here, uh, uh, Good Logic did a good breakdown. He said all of international law is not quite law in the same sense and that you don't have an established code and an established agreed court that enforces it. You have international customs and practices. You have treaties and conventions that have been adopted over time. And, and they're a source of authority, but they're not often a binding or determinative source of authority unless you are a signer or signatory to that convention or treaty, such as the Geneva Convention for Prisoners of War and so on and so forth. The, uh, but whereas almost all of the Hamas tactics are war crimes by definition, very few of the Israeli tactics. In fact, Israel tends to go out of its way to avoid the adverse consequence of treating Hamas as the military enemy that it is. I mean, look at how try carefully they tried to go into that hospital that is clearly the staging ground of Hamas activities that has tunnels underneath connected to Hamas. It had been reported by Hamas-oriented groups as a command center for Hamas going on decades. Why? Because way back when the Israelis fully occupied it, it was an Israeli command center. That's why they knew it was likely the Hamas command center. Um, but did they bomb the, the hotel to a no, the hospital? No, they did. We've done that, United States, World War One and World War Two. Uh, you know the, I mean, again, we, we nuked, we firebombed entire civil. We knowing that it was going to be ninety percent, ninety five percent civilian casualties, ninety nine percent, ninety nine point nine nine percent slaughterhouse women, fire. children, everybody included. Why? Because we believed it was militarily necessary to defend our soldiers and our people. And now you can argue about that, but study the how nuts the Japanese fascism was. It's almost as nuts as the Islamo-fascism of the Palestinians. So the, uh, the I mean, they, the it, to those people that say we shouldn't have used it, why did we drop the second one? They are asking the wrong question. Uh, why didn't they resign? Why didn't they settle after the first one fell? Uh, why is it that they actually tried to kill the emperor before he could do a peace deal in Japan? Um, you know, here it's it's hard geopolitical realism. That, that is just not often dealt with. And it's mostly hatred of Israel that motivates this very partisan interpretation where all of a sudden all the laws and customs that we should respect and recognize get eviscerated. And the problem with that is it does allow the hardliners in Israel to commit real violations because people are used to hearing wolf being cried about Israel. And what happens is that means Israel's hardliners can say, oh, this is just another exaggeration. This is just another false accusation. This is just more Jew or Israeli hatred. And the and they have an easy premise because they can point to the lies that people like Scott Horton tell and that so many of the others on the so on the anti-Israeli left tell. Uh, and, you know, so that's, but there clearly are limitations. Israel has, I think, been, you know, you can legitimately make cases for a range of cases of treatment of Palestinians in a range of contexts as war crimes. But what? But it's mostly exaggerated their degree of it, and it, the recent issues don't show war crime behavior, in my opinion. But under the law, now you can maybe disagree with that law, maybe. But down deep, what you're saying is you disagree with war. You're saying war is illegal, war is immoral. I, yeah, it's a position I, I many times have sympathy and empathy towards. It's just not a geopolitical, realistic one to have.
and I'll just preface so that nobody thinks when I reference the Saber Shatila that I'm going to misrepresent it. That is often cited as one of Israel and Ariel Sharon's biggest war crimes. And people think it was actually Israel or the IDF that perpetrated the massacre against Palestinians in a refugee camp when it was actually, I forget what the Christian uh, militia was called, but the yeah. accusation that Israel is responsible for that was that they were the guards while Christian militias broke into a Palestinian refugee camp and killed thousands of people over a few days and people don't even know that because they hear the word and they think Israel did it themselves. Um, right. there and might that, be... that relates to Lebanon because when the Palestinians came there, they tried to overthrow the Christian majority government and has caused the disaster that Lebanon has been ever since. It's it's an amazing, like, you just read the Wikipedia and it's like that massacre was in response to another massacre that the Palestinians carried on the Christians and the attempted assassination. It's like massacre after massacre, re retaliation, uh, for one act after another. Okay, Robert, before we go, before we move on, before we move on to this, let me, let me just... Yeah, we got a lot of great SCOTUS cases. I know, I know. So let, let me read the... Independent let me read of all the uh, Israel stuff. We're going to get off this after this. I'm going to read these chats. Sad winds raging says Palestinians kill children, then hide behind their own children. A blithering skinheads. Sports fish. Well, they're, they're, and there is video, but you have to take it with the skepticism that Hamas says Israel just bombed pal uh, civilians. Israel says Hamas is executing uh, Palestinians that are trying to flee, and you don't know what sense to make, but you can make your own sense of it. Sportfish177, Barnes talks truth to power. And for anyone who lives in the U.S. that thinks Israel are Israelis are occupiers, you are the occupier too, unless you are Native American, Indian, hypocrites. And, and even then you're not. Uh, almost every Native American tribe wasn't born where they were at when we got here. Almost every single one took over from other Indians. So the, I mean, you know, the the everybody everywhere take Russia, right? Uh, most of modern day Russia it wasn't born that way from the Duchy of Moscow. The Duchy of Moscow wasn't that big when it started out. You know what they did? They went and conquered it. They went and occupied it. Everybody everywhere is a conqueror occupier. So that, that's when I see these right wingers start using these left wing victim narratives that deny agency to the Palestinians and thereby deny accountability and responsibility to them. Also, we're really holding them in contempt as a form of pity, like the left does in general to its so-called victim class. That's why liberals, for example, are notoriously more racist by almost any social interaction mechanism, right? It, it's always the liberal guy traveling through the black neighborhood that suddenly the liberal ladies putting on the locked door, double checking, making sure everything's locked real quick. I've had that experience with some some liberal friends of mine. I was like, uh huh, yep. The uh, but so the the yeah, they're the more racist uh, uh, in general. Uh, but you know, so the we'll see how it all progresses. It'll be fun to talk with the Duran. Uh, I'm sure that they can't wait for their chat to be lit up uh, by uh, by <laughs> discussing any aspect of this on Tuesday. But it will only be one of the topics because there's so many good topics. It, Robert, it's going to be Argen great. Argentinian elections. What does it mean? Uh, Spain, what the heck's going on in Catalonia? Uh, what, what, you know, why was Tucker Carlson just there? What is the backstory there? What, what, what is the continued fallout from the Zelensky curse? One side effect of Israel is poor Zelensky's not in the news anymore, and some of his money and cash is getting diverted. And uh, like there, the meme is, I said Himars, not Hamas. Himars, not Hamas. <laughs> the you know from Zelensky, uh, you know he, he's going to have to settle soon or. Most of Ukraine is going to be back to speaking Ruski, but uh, it'll be a fun conversation on, on Tuesday, even with all the, the, the haters can pour in. Just remember, if you want to troll, 
you got to pay the toll. And by the way, just everybody asking, Barnes is not Jewish, but as many uh, an anti-Semite have told I'm me. Shabbos Goy. I'm no, Shabbos, you, Shabbos no, no, Goy, no, no, Barnes. You don't I have do to like be... the picture of me, though, as the, the meme with Nick Fuentes <laughs> as, a, as an Arab terrorist and me as, a, as an old Jewish scholar. I was like, well, that's pretty good. I'll stick I look like more... good logic's dead. I'll stick with the more politically correct one, correct one, which is you don't have to be a Jew to be Jewish. So Robert is Jewish by many people's standards. Okay. Oh, I hate that subject, Robert. We're over it and we've done it. Now, Florida, let's just, you know, talking about moving to Florida. Um, all right, so what happened here? This is Florida. They passed a law. I, I don't know how the law was actually stayed because of deemed unconstitutional, which prohibited bars from knowingly allowing in children for adult-themed events. That, that's as far as I understand what the, the original law was Anything supposed to be. that would be considered obscene for a child to see. And uh, the law was challenged by a bar. Hold on, the name of the bar oh, was... Oh, yeah, Hamburger Mary's. Hamburger Mary's. <laughs> which is, by the way, I once went to Hamburger Mary's in Palm Beach. And then I was like, man, the bartender's awfully nice. And then I was noticing, I looked around, I was like, oh, I'm in a different kind of bar. Uh, um, I, uh, literally, I needed to protect my ass to get out of there. <laughs> the, uh, so, uh, the, but that's Hamburger Mary's has that reputation. I did not, first of all, I did not know that. There's nothing wrong with that. And, um, okay, so you right. go to, ha- you go to Hamburger joke, right? Not, not that there's anything wrong with that, Robert. You go to Hamburger Mary's, so I, I presume it's a gay bar of sorts or a gay oriented bar. And they, at least cha- the one in Palm Beach sure well, was. Robert, I, I don't want to draw, I don't want to uh, be judgmental. They challenged the constitutionality of the law. Hamburger Mary's and the is main the, thing that the law is about is drag shows to kids. May, and they challenge it and say, well, that's a violative of our First Amendment rights. And a court, I mean, the lower court said, yeah, it is presumptively. We don't think you're going to succeed on the merits. We're going to we're going to stay the application of the law. But, Robert, if, if the judicial system is what it is, you take it with the good, you take it with the bad. Uh, who, what was it now that, that the Supreme Court did not hear the case? Because they said we're not gonna over, we're not gonna undo the stay, and so the stay will stay pending adjudication on the merits of the disputes. Because you don't have it's, a chance. Sorry, go for it. And it's because Florida only challenged one aspect. Now Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch would have reversed the stay. This is an issue we talked about all the way back to COVID, which is, and uh, Trump's immigration orders, which is the federal courts are only supposed to have the power to enjoin the parties before them. The issue is here, what they took up to the Supreme Court was not the First Amendment ruling, but what they took up to the Supreme Court was the application of the law to places other than Hamburger Marriage. And what Kavanaugh and Barrett stepped in, and they were the ones to deny, they were the two key votes to deny the reversal of the stay, because they said this case isn't useful for that question of federal jurisprudence over injunctions, because of the First Amendment context, we often have approved broad injunctions outside of the parties, which they're right about. So what it reflects is uh, also, I think, Barrett and Kavanaugh and Roberts are what I said when Kavanaugh was nominated and when Barrett was nominated quite controversially was that these people were going to vote more with Roberts than they were going to be voting with the Scalia's of the world. And that has been, whereas I thought Gorsuch would be a true libertarian, populist-oriented conservative in the Thomas mold, and he has become that. Uh, but consistently now, 
Kavanaugh and Barrett want to stay in the middle, right? They don't want to jump into some of these controversies. They're going to be deferential to corporate power, deferential to state power in general. But on these cultural topics, they're, they're being careful how they step in. Um, and I think that was a little bit of a pretext to avoid the substance because they could have got to that substance without getting the the issue they were talking about. But it will get to the substance. It's just a question. Well, right now it's at the 11th circuit. And then that final, the first amendment ruling will presumably go up to the Supreme court. My recollection when we discussed this law before is that it probably could have been better worded Mm -hmm. on certain aspects. So that was some of the limitation on some of these words, but a lot of these are liberal judges who think that trainees should have access to your kids. Uh, they should let, uh, you know, have adult theme shows at bars, allow children in knowingly, but it's in the name of uh, diversity and inclusion and not uh, transphobia. Yeah. Sex education. <sighs> yeah, the uh, we, I was discussing with Nick Ricada last week and Megan Fox. I saw uh, some of that. The, that was... the First Amendment we, we, uh, when we had against, uh, uh, against Wauwatosa, uh, the school board, for trying to censor uh, Megan Fox. But all of that arose from the fact that Wauwatosa was teaching young school children things that are, you know, that most of us would call obscene. Um, and it's like, what are you doing doing that? They didn't like being exposed for that. So they tried to silence and censor uh, speech, which we successfully sued and got a big, a nice settlement on. But the it reflects the ongoing the, a lot of the liberal judges believe this is just fine. They think it's part of good sex education of normalizing these deviant behaviors and what most people consider obscene conduct for children to see. Robert, uh, we have hit, if I'm not mistaken, 20,000 live viewers right now. I've forgotten to do this, and it's fortuitous that I forgot to do it. Some people were saying that uh, politics ruins everything was too critical, too negative, and didn't have a positive connotation to it. So we will announce tonight our newest something about this Looks like I want it as a bumper sticker. This is our newest thing, Robert. Populism fixes everything. I I hope it's true enough philosophically. It's the response to politics ruins everything. It's on vivafry.com, the merch place where you can still get the Trump. Yes. Yeah, there. That's See, I'm getting this. I'm getting this for my car. It's already, it's already met. How do I do this? I don't want to add to view. I want. I don't. Okay, there you go. Populism fixes everything. It looks dead. That's good. nice. I like that. Yes, uh, I've got. I might be bumper stickered out on my car, but I, I'm going to do it anyhow. Populism fixes everything on VivaFry.com. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's that's Florida. Uh, so they'll they'll deal with the merits, but in the meantime, the law will stay stayed. So you can take. Hey, you want to take your kids to a little drag show at a at a bar? Hamburger Mary, Hamburger Marys. Mary is undoubtedly a reference to the Bible, and uh, that's that is what it is. Okay. Uh, what's the next one we had there? Uh, Florida. Oh, Ethi- we got a bunch. We got counseling censorship. We got wealth tax. We got car horns. We got solitary oh. confinement. All four up at the SCOTUS. Okay, so uh, the horn one is cool. The horn one was coming out of California, right? Yep. Okay, so the horn one was, Robert, call me a fascist. I did not mind the way the law was drafted. They said you cannot honk your horn for a non-urgent highway need because people were honking their horns in support of protests some the, the plaintiff or the defendant or whatever someone was honking their horn in affirmation of a protest 12 short honks boop, 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 boop. and i appreciate it and i think that it's nice to be able to honk your horn for a protest if you have a political ideologically neutral law that says you cannot honk your horn if it's not an emergency okay uh they sued and now i forget exactly how what happened in, at the supreme court so i mean the, the district court in the ninth circuit said it was fine uh the state law in california 
And the even though the state could not produce any evidence whatsoever that honking your horn in support of a protest pre- presented any form of traffic or safety risk. Yeah. They couldn't cite any studies, any surveys, any examples ever in the history of the state of somebody honking their horn in a protest causing any kind of traffic problem and, and in just, the history of the state. And just for the clarity, the issue would be that they enacted that regulation and they said it was First Amendment violative. And they said, well, show me the reason, the logical reason yep. to implement it, which is where I can sort of understand it. My goodness, they don't have any yep. case law that says honking your horn if it's not an emergency only creates more distraction. They had no no evidence for that. Well, and particularly that honking your horn for a protest. So here the issue was they just had a broad rule that said never honk your horn unless it's an emergency. And the uh, but the basis for that rule was just an assumption that honking a horn would be disruptive to somebody and that it, it in that you someone could interpret it as something other than a warning sign uh, if it was allowed for anything other than a warning sign. And so the even though, quite frankly, when it's used in traffic is rarely as a warning sign. It's usually as an FU. Rarely as an emergency. It, never have I heard a horn in an urgency, emergency situation to warn. Typically, if yeah. you're in that much of an emergency, you don't have time to say, you fucking asshole. Um, yeah. You've talked me out of my original position, Robert, and you didn't even finish your sentence. Please go on. <laughs> Yeah, so the first yeah, the first amendment says if it's expressive conduct, so not speech, but expressive conduct, then you don't have to show a uh, compelling interest, you don't have to show n- the most narrowly tailored, but you do have to to show a, a a strong government interest and that you at least examined less restrictive alternatives to the restriction you had. And the problem here was the Ninth Circuit in the district court did disregarded that because the state didn't produce any proof that this was even met a, a legitimate government interest, and that, nor that it was the least restrictive means to that, because they just had always assumed that it worked, not that it actually served the purpose they claimed. Uh, yeah. Randy <laughs> Edwards' a, statement is a precise... I, I didn't realize I could do this. This is so cool now. I can just go like this? Oh, yeah, look at that. Okay, I only... Well, you know, so on the Rumble studio, apparently, you can pull it up to the bottom like yeah, the well, other... No, like- Rob, Robert, I'm just waiting for confirmation from our team that Rumble studio is good to go, and I'm going to be broadcasting with that only going forward. You can bring up um, <laughs> Rumble, Locals, uh, YouTube, all comments. Okay. No, now that you mentioned, like, if you go to a tailgate and you want to honk your horn because your team just won, ticket. Yeah. I could understand the public policy and, aspect. And the problem right it. now is you get fined. The other thing I suspect here is this was probably a protest the cops or the state didn't like. Mm-hmm. And that's why they ticketed this person for honking at a protest because that is not normally done. So I think, so we'll, we'll see. The, I think that the challenge to the law is up to the Supreme Court hasn't yet agreed to take the case. So we'll see. But I think, you know, car honks are fun. You know, that was a fun case. And it's the kind of case that's fun enough that maybe it'll get the Supreme Court's attention that will reaffirm First Amendment principles. Uh, this is Pudge. I haven't picked her up in a long time. We're going to see if she's pooping on me as we talk. Mm, she's a good dog. The dog, uh, she's the terminator of dogs. She will not die. <laughs> okay, sorry. That's not nice. Uh, I love her. All right. So that's um, that was the honking. So... 
So, sorry, hold on, Shay. What's the next step now? So it's um. Uh, well, it's up to the Supreme Court to take. She's okay. only just filed her petition for cert. Okay. So cool. I filed a petition, like the, the petition for cert I just filed. So it hasn't yet been taken or addressed yet by the Supreme Court whether they'll take it. But I think it's fun enough that it might grab their attention. They might snag it. Yeah, and they could look cool for allowing people to honk, and they're going to say, "Yo, the Supreme yeah. Court's not so not cool." Okay, awesome. Uh, let me see. What, what's the next one, Robert? You t- I, I, I'm familiar well, with speaking these. Speaking of speech conduct distinctions. One thing a bunch of governments are doing is trying to relabel everything professional ethics. Oh, yes. Okay, so this is the, uh, uh, is it a psychologist? It's a therapist who cannot, yeah. it's the same thing we have in Canada. A number of these were, I was thinking like, oh, the honking case, similar to Canada. The therapy case, similar to Canada, where we have the anti, the conversion ban bill, which prohibits therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, Jordan Petersons of the world from talking people out of transgenderism. It says it makes it illegal out of homosexuality. Some people actually want to be talked out of it in as much as that's politically incorrect to say. Some people say, I don't want to feel this way. Help me. Uh, The government says, no, you can't help them go from gay trans to straight, but you sure as hell can help them go from straight to gay trans. And so this is a similar case. What state is this coming out of? Washington. All right. And so they basically, they've enacted a law. This was a petition for cert as well. Um, basically saying that this is unconstitutional to criminalize my practice as a therapist because I can no longer even have discussions with my client without running the risk of running afoul of the law. Take it from there. And, and, and it reflects a more dangerous propensity that the Ninth Circuit green lit in this case to relabel speech conduct because conduct has less restrictions on it in terms of what the state can do. Speech, especially uh, any rule that governs the content of that speech, is automatically subject to strict scrutiny and great degree of skepticism as to the state's action. Whereas if you call it conduct, state can get away with a lot. And what they've done is they've misapplied an old doctrine. The older doctrine was that rules governing physical medical procedures were rules governing conduct, not speech. In other words, even if some part of it is your diagnosis, your verbal diagnosis, the conduct, it, it, it isn't the diagnosis that's being limited, it's the actual procedure that can be limited. And they're like, that's limiting conduct, not speech. They've taken that and said, well, really what this is about is if it involves anything medical or professional, it's all conduct, not speech. Which complete in its attempt to it ultimately be applied to lawyers, psychologists, clerks, priests, uh, doctors, you name it. It's how they used a lot of the medical professional licensure rules to go after dissident doctors who, during COVID, saying, oh, no, no, that wasn't advice you gave. That wasn't a public comment mm-hmm. you gave. That was medical conduct. And medical conduct is subject to a different level of state restriction and less judicial scrutiny. And so this case is big because the other two other federal circuits have correctly recognized, unlike the Ninth Circuit, that this is speech. I mean, this is clearly speech. This is, the, the law literally says you cannot talk about these things. And so that's a, that's a content-based restriction on speech. And just because it's disguised as professional ethics doesn't change anything about that. And so hopefully the Supreme Court takes it in reverses. 
I brought that up. That's just a, a on point. I'm not your buddy guy says, just let that sink in folks for the state of the world. When it becomes controversial to not want kids in sexual bars. Okay. Uh, what's the next one, Robert? Uh, two, uh, left <clears throat> one, uh, the is sort of the black pill case. The other one is a white pill case. So your pick, which one we go first? Uh, go black pill just so I can put it together in my head. Which one was the black pill? <laughs> oh, the, it the, was the, the, the prisoner. Yes. Yeah, there you go. So this prisoner, it's, it's, I, I, he, he was a black man. I had to look it up just to make sure because I, it, it things don't really make sense. Um, sometimes, but sometimes it's just terrible. I, I don't like thinking this way. This is a prisoner who was uh, in jail for, I don't know, it was a three-year sentence. It wasn't even that bad. It was armed. It was not even armed. It was burglary, I think. I forget what the, what the initial conviction was. But then he got convicted in jail of other stuff because he was locked in solitary confinement, bipolar, mentally ill, mentally unwell, put in solitary, not given sunlight, air, circulation, exercise, any of this, and then penalized for one infraction after another. And the reason why I'm so sympathetic to this now is because Owen Schroyer is sitting in there for his 60-day sentence and has spent the better part of this, the 29 days now in solitary because he broke the rules apparently after his one week of solitary for bullshit COVID rules. And so I don't, you, get, you get the unsavory characters without the means without the ability to defend themselves because this guy's mentally ill. And I'm saying that non-judgmentally, mentally ill, manic, bipolar, whatever, has no lawyer, was not given uh, legal aid, had to draft his own rebuttal to the memorandum and had to finish his own handwritten rebuttal with, I can't finish this because he's so mentally unwell. He's been in jail for three years. He had, it's basically caging an animal. I forget what the relative size of the, a parking space is how they defined his prison. No, uh, not no sunlight, light all the time, no circulation, no exercise. He had to clean his own cell and because he's mentally unwell, uh, didn't clean it well enough, I guess. Gets and they penalized. wouldn't give him certain supplies. They said he had to pay for supplies to he clean He had to pay cell. for cleaning supplies. They then punish him for not cleaning his cell, penalize upon penalty and whatever. It's the most horrific thing that I could ever imagine. Three years, he finally gets out. And then he's suing for uh, uh, it's Eighth Amendment violations, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, and then what happens? They don't they don't take it up. The Supreme Court doesn't take right. it up. And then Katanji Jackson Brown, it writes the dissenting opinion with which I think I agree. I agree with it in principle. I just don't know if in law she's right, because she made a distinction between Eighth Amendment violations in terms of um, penalties versus compounding penalties. Some, some triviality in law that the six justices got away with by saying, well, the, ori the original punishment wasn't uh, violative of constitutional rights, and then they compound on each other, and therefore we can justify them. So it, black pill, the, the, the guy um, will, will not get, I mean, I he's not going to get justice. He's not going to get any sor sort of retribution for this. Um, what have I missed? No, I mean, and, and it's again, the conservatives that are the problem. The three liberals wrote the dissent. Like, if people want to know why is Owen Schroyer stuck in solitary confinement based on an unidentified violation of an unidentified rule for the entire term of his misdemeanor 60-day sentence, uh, the thank conservatives, thank the Federalist Society, 
Thank conservative judges. Thank conservative jurists. Thank conservative lawyers. Thank conservative Republican politicians, because that's who created that law. They eviscerated the Eighth Amendment cruel and unusual punishment clause because they cower in front of the military industrial complex. They cower in front of the prison industrial complex. They cower in front of the prosecutorial and police abuse of power. That's the reality, and it's one that conservatives don't honestly address. When they tell me, oh, so-and-so is a great constitutionalist. Not on the Eighth Amendment, they often are not. On bail and cruel and unusual punishment, conservatives are often AWOL, and they're the ones often abandoning and eviscerating the Constitution from its plain words because they don't like the constituencies it protects. Uh, Highlight this, Robert, because this people will not ever be able to forget after tonight. Oh, it's just 60 days. He's only going to 60 days for speech. And then, oh, he goes only for his 60 days and only it's five days or seven days for COVID solitary confinement. It went from 60 days in jail for not, you know, people arguing over speech to 60 days solitary confinement. That went from a bullshit two months in jail for a bullshit charge, conviction, whatever, to two months of human torture, period. And this case where I'm reading this, where they were talking about, they didn't give him one hour a month for exercise. He was locked in a cell that was the size of a parking space. And I don't know what type of car, but even give it a Hummer. He's in a cell and he has to clean his own shit and piss off the wall without tools because they don't give him the tools because he has to pay for them. And then when he lashes out, yeah. And then when he lashes out because he doesn't do it or whatever, then they punish him again. And then the conservative said, well, the cumulative punishment is not something we're going to get into. And I find myself saying, holy crap, Katanji Jackson Brown is right on this. Oh, completely. And so is Sotomayor. So is Kagan, just as Breyer and Ginsburg were before them uh, as being good on these issues. Uh, the conservatives are the ones who are AWOL and abandoning the Eighth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And when people wonder why do the January 6th defendants languish in horrible conditions, why is Owen Troyer on a misdemeanor in uh, in in basically 60 days of torture? Because solitary confinement's not just solitary. It's not just social isolation. The size of the cell is tiny. Sanitation is constantly not properly provided. Ventilation is constantly not properly provided. Light is constantly left on in such a way as to make it very difficult to sleep or focus. You are deprived of all social access. In this case, he was deprived of all exercise for three years. Three years they tortured this mentally ill man, and they got away with it because the so-called constitutionalists on the court didn't give a damn about the Constitution when it came to prisoners. And hopefully more people on the right, thanks to Dinesh D'Souza's police state, which we saw down at Trump's Mar-a-Lago, will start to recognize what D'Souza recognized. He was like, you know what? I was wrong about these Patriot Act laws. I was wrong about empowering the police state. I was wrong about these prisoner inmate provisions, pretending that they're all given cushy treatment. Because now I see the horror that's happening to people that I know he himself experienced it as a victim of the system. But it's uh, it, it, the most disappointing case was that not one conservative judge would have taken up that case. Because if they would have granted cert, they all knew they would have to reverse because it was an intolerable. The Eighth Amendment says... Deliberate indifference to a known risk to some an inmate's safety or health constitutes cruel and unusual punishment, regardless of the reason for it. And what the Seventh Circuit said is you can torture all you want as long as you're not torturing for a trivial reason. Yeah, no, and that's never been the law. 
That has never been the Eighth Amendment. Those Seventh Seventh Circuit judges, I've been in front of plenty of them, and they're often lousy on the issue of civil rights, were lousy once again. And mostly comes from conservatives and Republican appointees and Federalist Society uh, embraced individuals, like the guy who supported Trump being off the ballot and supported you know, Pence uh, denying his role in 2020, uh, was the guy who was the one who said, yeah, you can imprison an American without any due process of law and subject them to torture in the name of national security as part of presidential power. That's the dangerous, statist, quite frankly, fascistic side to the corporatist institutionalist right that has disproportionate influence in the conservative side of the legal academy. And this case is another example where Judge Justice Jackson was the much better justice than every other justice on that court. Okay, let me, let me just bring this up here. I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I have to take the critique as well. It says, still waiting two years, Vivian Barnes to interview Jovan Pulitzer did the forensic part of 2.1 million ballot audit Four times he offered him with a challenge him for his work. Well, you could put him in uh, Dr. Uh, Shiva on because Shiva has been one of uh, Pulitzer's biggest critics. I only honk to dry my attention to my finger. Some guy with cancer says the Washington law reminds me of the moron Mueller. She wrote wanted the government to license people to prevent misinformation. Yep. As which Barack Obama has always been happy. To I do hope you're too. okay there with some guy with cancer. Sad wings raging. White Sparrow thanks you for helping her dog, Viva. I do wonder who that is. I'm going to have to look this up. Sad Wings Raging says, G. Gordon Liddy sued the prison and won. I miss G-Man. I don't know what that is, Robert. You know, Mark Grobert and Eric Conley did a whole breakdown of Gordon Liddy's crazy career, which is just wild. He's a, he's a, he's a uh, Watergate guy. But speaking of uh, the more white pill SCOTUS moment is Please. some promise we got from a case we've talked about several times before, but now the Supreme Court has taken the case, which is, the wealth tax, repatriation oh. tax. Oh, so, I, I, okay, you might have to do this because I'm going to have to open up the lawsuit again. This is when they, were, they, wanted, to, they wanted to tax a, a husband and wife on reinvesting their profits into the company on unrealized gain by saying, you didn't realize your gain, but you had it and you're reinvesting it, but we want to tax you as though you had cashed it out even though you reinvested it. Did I get it close enough? I, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, he, the key is it goes back to the 16th Amendment. And the reason what's lurking in the background of this case, this is the mandatory repatriation tax pushed by Paul Ryan that quite frankly that Trump signed and that this aspect he shouldn't have signed. And it should tell you a lot about who Paul Ryan really is. Buried in this law that was supposedly about cutting taxes, supposedly about standardizing global taxes of corporations that had a lot of good things in it, but as always with the with the Paul Ryans of the world, buried in it was one of the most dangerous tax laws ever passed. And it was disguised as a mandatory repatriation tax. But really what it was, it's Congress are trying to assert their authority to impose a property tax, a national federal property tax, which Elizabeth Warren likes to relabel a wealth tax. But if you think it's going to start with a wealth tax, I remind you of what a congressman said in 1916 when they passed the Revenue Act of 1916. He goes, this tax, and when they passed the 16th Amendment before that, 1913, said this tax will not tax a hair on a working man's head. Well, you can see what it's done to my working man's head. That's how that tax is for. So the, the nature of this is buried in the mandatory repatriation tax is a right to tax you on your property as earnings. 
And, and in this case, uh, the, the tax allowed a tax even without you making anything. It was simply, did you have stock in a foreign company during this time frame? We are going to treat it as if you had a distribution, even if you didn't have a distribution, even if you couldn't have requested a distribution, even if you had no control over it. So it's unretained, unreceived earnings. Uh, are being treated simply for appreciation of the value of the stock. So the problem with this, of course, is this would allow a stock tax. This would allow a house property tax. This would allow a car property tax. You name it, a I, national I, federal property tax. And I made the same joke the last time. They'll tax you on the unrealized gains, but you will not get a deduction for the unrealized losses. Mm. Bullshit. That's absolutely the case under this, this provision. <laughs> that, that you, you don't get you don't get the losses. So the, uh, the, the the problem with that is our Constitution back at the time it was, they were designing it, the anti-federalist types, uh, even within the Constitutional Convention, were deeply concerned. The Articles of Confederation didn't allow didn't give any federal government in taxing enforcement power for a reason. Didn't trust it. They, I mean, they'd just gone through a revolution to stop a centralized government from being able to tax them directly. And the most hated tax is what's called a head tax, a tax just for existing, right? goes all the way back in old English history and, and before in almost every society and civilization. P and people didn't want tax on their property either, uh, just for owning a farm and or anything else. And so the law was there'll be no direct tax without apportionment. And the goal was apportionment required the state. It made so that one state couldn't uh, say, well, we're going to screw you. We're just going to tax the people in that state. And that was part of what was behind all of this was this apportionment requirement was is almost impossible in the modern age. And it was even then to actually enforce, to actually do. You couldn't do a tax that honored apportionment without political massive backlash and procedural administrative bureaucratic enforcement nightmares. So now that did, throughout history, they have occasionally avoided this. There was a carriage tax that a bunch of justices said were okay that somehow they claimed it wasn't a direct tax. That was garbage. But for the most part, the federal government relied on external taxes, excise taxes, tariffs, et cetera, uh, for their control over the borders where they did have taxing authority. Uh, you know, During the Civil War, Lincoln used it as a pretext to put in an income tax before it could ever be fully struck down. They got rid of it in 1865, 1866. And then they brought it back in the early 1890s went up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Supreme Court said, no, you can't do this. One justice dissented. The justice who dissented in Brushaber said, no, the income tax could be constitutional if you were only taxing gain severed from the source. Now, what that always meant was unclear, but it means you only tax when you actually receive a gain. Then you weren't taxing property, you weren't taxing labor, you were taxing a gain you received from it at the point of distribution. So then, the, but that was the dissenting judge. The 16th, the, the 16th Amendment comes in. It says Congress doesn't have to worry about apportionment when it's taxing income. Definition of income is not in the amendment. Goes back up to the U.S. Supreme Court. That dissenting judge is now a chief judge. What do you think the chief judge says? The chief judge, in interpreting the Revenue Act of 1913, and it's, by the way, the reason why every Revenue Act since then, it, every Revenue Act of 1916 forward, it says, in lieu of the Revenue Act of 1916, they never mentioned the Revenue Act of 1913. 
And the reason for that is what the Supreme Court did in 1960. And uh, I mean, Pollock was the original case. Bruce Schaber was the follow-up case. So the dissenting judge in Pollock, now the chief judge in Bruce Schaber, he says, you know what the word income means? It means what I said when I dissented uh, back in the, the, the uh, Pollock case. I was right all along. And so what income is, is gain severed from the source. And that's the constitutional definition of income. And it's the limited constrained definition of income. Congress just can't label anything it wants income and thereby tax it. it they have to accept my definition of income as being the 16th Amendment because of my dissenting decision back in the 1890s. That's why Congress ever since has begrudged that decision and has always wanted to expand its taxing power. So it decided to never define income ever again. Now, in the history of English, uh, American, Anglo-American legal jurisprudence, that should mean every income tax is unconstitutional. But good luck finding a judge or an IRS, IRS auditor or politician who will go along with you, as the tax protester movement has found out, unfortunately, the hard way. Uh, they're not going to cut their paychecks anytime soon. And that's uh, who do you think pays them? So uh, so consequently, they've avoided this legal limitation of their power. And they every now and then they try to get a little bit more and they try to get a little bit more and they try to get a little bit more. I mean, that's why the definition of income in, in the, is actually circular and self-referential, as the Supreme Court recognized in, in an issue about a decade ago. Because the word gross, it, what is it's called gross income. And it's all from all income received. It's all income from income received. And you start to figure out, hold on a second, you still haven't defined income. And there's also a missing liability section. Who is it supposed to pay? That's because, again, they're trying to dodge what the limitations on their power are. And now the mandatory repatriation tax, they're going right for it. They're saying we have the right to tax unrealized earnings, unrealized gains, and just pretend they're gains. So we're not taxing property. We're just taxing the increase in the value of your property, which is <laughs> otherwise known as taxing property. So that's why this case is as consequential to Congress's taxing power and the power to tax is the power to destroy and is the ultimate state method of control is probably, in my opinion, the most consequential case before the Supreme Court this term. Um, was that the cert that it was, it was the petition for cert. So they're going to hear it now. And the Supreme court's already taken it. Yeah. Okay, good. And the decisions come down by, by summer. Ju so June, 2020. It wouldn't surprise me if this one came down like February or March. Oh, holy crap. Robert, before we even get into anything else, let me just share a screen one more time. This is the guardian. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Argentine. Argentina presidential election. Far-right libertarian Javier Millet wins after rival concedes, Robert. Holy it turns out 133% inflation is not a good thing to get reelected. <laughs> that's that's Putinflation, Robert. He didn't obviously run the proper campaign. Oh, what a loser. Just go with a Putin price hike and you'll get reelected by 81 million votes the next time you have mail-in ballots. He wants to make the dollar the currency of Argentina. The American dollar. Yeah, because he wants to take away Argentina's version of their central bank's entire power to operate. Okay, that's cool. I, I, I think I'm so ignorant. I don't even know the question to ask. So he, he wants, what is the current currency in Argentina? Uh, the Argentinian, pay, I think, pay, peso. Like, oh, okay. Is it peso? I think it's peso. Well, the, but the, 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 uh, and, and that's the one that's inflated out of control. And they also have a lack of access to the euro dollar market, uh, which is the, you know, 
Jeff Snyder really explains what the euro dollar is. It's the U.S. dollar, but not really. It's the U.S. dollar, but it's never printed by any Federal Reserve or U.S. Treasury. It's printed by on little little numbers on a screen by big banks around the globe. Well, that's, um, that, sounds, that sounds like the Federal Reserve, Robert, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but it, it's their own thing. It's private banks. So it's private banks that decided to issue their own currency. And they just called it the U.S. dollar. They started doing it more than half a century ago. And the inability to understand it is a big limitation on many geopolitical and economic analysts to this day. And the person who best understands is someone I want to get on a sidebar, uh, like History Legends, who was a lot of fun this past week, uh, want to get uh, one on with Jeff Snyder at some some point in the foreseeable future. Everybody watching now can tweet out a Jeff Snyder. 20,500 people tweet out a Jeff Snyder. I I I don't I didn't even know what the Federal Reserve was five years ago. So I, I'm, I'm not, most ordinary people don't either. I've been trying to explain that to my friends on the right for quite some time. Though I'll probably have an announcement sometime soon. If Twitter and Elon Musk will ever reinstate George Gammon's account, I don't know who I got to scream to and <laughs> protest and 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 you know to get George Gammon's account reinstated. But someone hacked and stole George Gammon's account. He's, he's pretending said, he's to be said, George Gammon. George Gammon is charged every single month for being a paying subscriber, and his account has been stolen since August. And Elon's talking about he wants to make Exum a bank? Uh, nobody's going to put money in your bank, Elon, if anybody can hack it and you can't reinstate it for months with someone with several hundred thousand followers and who's paying you money for the account. So hopefully he can reinstate George Gammon's account, maybe in time for when we announce our lawsuit against the Federal Reserve on Freedom of Information Act issues which will be forthcoming pretty soon. Maybe it'll be a Christmas gift to the Fed. Might, might be an apropos uh, uh, timing. S- something tells me the Fed doesn't smell, doesn't smell, doesn't celebrate Christmas. <sighs> well, Robert, they what, do. They just do it like the Grinch. <laughs> uh, what do we have next? I, I, we I, got I, uh, four remaining cases. Uh, we'll figure out which one's here and which ones we'll discuss over on Locals. Let's uh, do one. Self let's de- do- big self-defense win in D.C., Malcolm X, the truth of his assassination, coming out again in another federal civil suit by a man falsely accused. Standing rights, including in this case, Black Lives Matter, their voting version. And uh, what happens, uh, be careful about those using those regular phones and not signal. Uh, Like, who knows at the T-Mobile who might be looking and go, whoo, that looks nice. I want to keep a copy of that. Let's do the self-defense case here. And I'm going to give everybody the link to Rumble so we can go over there afterwards for the after party. Because the self-defense, look, I know all of these cases. Uh, There you go. Come over to vivabarnslaw.locals.com. Robert, the self-defense case is a convicted felon who's not allowed to own a firearm, who for whatever the reason is on the street with some other people and gets involved in a drive-by shooting. However, he becomes in possession of a firearm, fires the firearm back at the people who are firing at him. His friend on the street dies in the shootout. And then the question becomes him being a felon who is not allowed to possess a firearm. And the question at law is, how did he become in possession of the firearm? And what's the time frame within which he has to relinquish lawfully through whatever the means a firearm that he was not lawfully entitled to own in the first place? Um, without explaining why I have my own personal questions for asking, asking that question, Robert, what was the outcome in this case? So people forget that the Second Amendment right of self-defense is a Second Amendment right of self-defense. And so that even if you legally were not entitled to own a gun, 
if you are using it for self-defense, you cannot be convicted of unlawful gun possession or possession while a felon or any other related gun possession law. And the issue here was the D.C. lower courts were trying to limit that to the moment of self-defense and said, okay, the moment you're no longer needed for self-defense, you have to like drop it immediately and run away. And which made no sense. What made more sense is that you had a reasonable amount of time to relinquish the weapon in a proper way. And as the court pointed out, that's more consistent with the Second Amendment self-defense right and the common law self-defense right being recognized in this uh, exception to uh, unlawful possession laws. And noted, you're kind of the, the lower courts are kind of idiots, along with the dissenting judge in the case. They're like, you want people to just drop guns on the random street and run away? Why no, would they, you want that? No, you want them wa- to return the gun in a proper, in a manner that at least has the risk of the gun being in the hands of no. wrong people. The way I read it is they don't want even convicted felons to pick up a gun to defend themselves, die, and yeah. be, be happy when it happens. Right. They want state monopoly on guns. That's what the, that's what the gun control left has always wanted. And so they look for any pretext to do it. But it was the right decision coming from no less than the D.C. District Court of Appeals, which I think is the Supreme Court of D.C. This is the state court system, not the federal court system. Uh, but so, but good ruling and a, uh, a good Second Amendment ruling and reminding in the self-defense aspects and how broadly that can extend and expand. And they're correct about when you have to get rid of a gun to be able to keep that self-defense right against unlawful possession. All right, now before we head over to Rumble of, of uh, local, sorry for the rest of this, I want to bring up some Rumble chats. Some guy with cancer says, "I'm doing much better, thanks my prognosis. Thank you. Oh, than my progno- doing much better than my prognosis. Thank you. I'm a tax accountant. The tax case makes me nervous because I'm sure the IRS would provide their usual terrible service, but still put you in jail." Says some guy with cancer. Looking at the avatar, we got uh, I to the cloth E. Populism can fix my failing relationship. Yes. Ev- everything. <laughs> what didn't you read on that shirt, sir? It's a joke. It's a joke, but not a joke. I'm not your buddy guy. Says I take back the stupidest idea I've ever heard of is communism. I'm not your buddy guy. Taxing unrealized gains would destroy the economy overnight. It's possibly the stupid, a stupidest idea I've ever heard of. Thanks to you too and Nick Ricada, I have become more of a constitutionalist than a party affiliate. I have become, quote, woke to the atrocities of the system. Thank you and God bless. Long live the Republic. A six foot, for, a six foot four midget. Dude, you're not a, you're not a midget. TX uh, Texas Lady Jane. Larry Lawton of Jewel Thief got put in solitary and was tied down nude and cops peed on him from what I understand. It's because a lot of the people that are attracted to prison jobs are sociopaths, unfortunately. Not everybody, by any definition, but too many. (sighs) And the the people excusing them are the conservatives in Congress and the conservatives on the court more than anybody else. What we're going to do right now, everyone is going to come on over to locals if they want to see the rest of this. Yeah, and, uh, M- Malcolm X. What's the oh, real backstory? It fits oh, my hush hush. Now is an official lawsuit. Oh, my hush hush talked about a year or two ago. You, you can get what? at Viva Barnes Law. Locals.com. And remember, if you want, the, and we got a case about standing. When can you sue? This is the BLM version of voting rights, but it might have broader application to a case in New Orleans coming up in January. I and a brief get... update on what happened in the meeting with the U.S. Department of Justice in the Brooke Jackson case. We'll I'm have that to... over at Locals, where on the second pinned 
Comet, you can still get Amos Miller's apple butter and support Free America Law Center before Thanksgiving. No, Robert, before we move over, can you send me the link? Because I'm trying to find the pinned comment, but I can't find it off my link. Send, send it to me in the private chat, oh, really? and I'm going to post it now. Uh, get your butts over to Locals, people. You don't have to. If you don't want to, I think Salty Cracker is live uh, sooner than later. Oh, it's uh, so funny. Okay, hold on a second. I'm going to go to private. It's in star. No, private chat. Put in the private chat, Robert, and I'll bring it up, and then and then I'll be able to bring it up. Because it, it, uh, it's, yeah. it's the it, apple butter. It's the butter. third pinned one. Yeah, but I can't find any of the pinned ones, and it's not because I'm an idiot, although I am, but I just can't find it. Private chat. Well, you were in the uh, Rockstar parking today. Uh, Rockstar parking. Yes, I was. Okay. That was, your mom, that was your wife's joke. Uh, that was the, because it was a... <laughs> Rock. So now, now you're trying to get me in trouble with Marion because I don't know her. Gosh darn it. Okay. Here is the link to Amos Miller's Apple. I'm going to post it as many times as I can. Nope. You've sent too many. Too fast. Please try later. Okay. Now we're going to go over to vivabarnslaw.locals.com. What I'm going to do is end. So you're on the Duran, 1 o'clock Tuesday. Uh, what do you have coming up this week, Robert? Oh, that's the main thing. It's Thanksgiving week in America. Oh, shit, that's right. Yeah, so the uh, so we'll have a uh, uh, but uh, so otherwise it's a lot of work. We're working on the Brooke Jackson case, the opposition to the motion to dismiss, and a couple of other uh, cases that we got some big work on. Amazing. So we're going to end this now on Rumble. Everyone who's not coming over, enjoy your night. It's Thanksgiving week, which means my kids are out of school. My mother and father are coming from Montreal. So it's going to be an interesting week. Okay. Yeah, do Canadians Woo. celebrate Thanksgiving or no? We celebrated it like in October. So hold on, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. This might mess everything up. There. There. Yes, sir. That's where it is. That's my American flag. I'm going to bring this back here. And, uh, oh, it's all crooked now. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We'll say happy Thanksgiving next week because Sunday will still be the next Thanksgiving week. The dogs have taken... Liberties on the floor. And I'm going to do one more thing before we go. I'm doing it. I don't care. No, hold on one second here. I'm going to go back to the stream and refresh. I'm going to give everybody the Amos Miller link so you can go get the fundraiser apple yeah, butter. You can get eight ounces or 16 ounces of homemade apple butter. And now we're going to end it. We are ending it now. Everyone enjoy the night. I'll be live tomorrow, not Tuesday at 1. That's it. Go. Enjoy the night. VivaFry.com for merch. Oh, the dogs. The dogs. Okay, done. Oh, okay, hold on. Let's make sure we're good here. I have to scroll back in. What is, what is going on with me in the backs here? Now I'm going to go back to our local stream and make sure that I'm in it. I am. Join stream. When have I ever had to join a stream? Oh, I see what's going on here. Okay, so hold on one second. Boom shakalaka. Newsfeed. Oh, Robert, I'll get it. I'll get back in here in a, in, in a bit. I can't get back in. I'll, I'll get back in in a second. Well, yeah, okay. Over the Malcolm X. Oh, so Malcolm X. So some dude went to jail for 20 plus years because he was wrongly convicted because the FBI concealed exculpatory evidence about an individual who's accused of having participated in the shooting. You did a, um, you did a, uh, uh, Jeez, uh, Louise, not a hush-hush, a hush-hush. You did one on Malcolm X. And the question was whether or not the FBI and intelligence had a role to play in his assassination. It seems that they did because they hid exculpatory evidence from one of the accused. 
take it from here, Robert. The dude gets out after 20 years. He's going to sue for wrongful prosecution, wrongful conviction, because they knowingly withheld exculpatory evidence. Who did it? So, yeah, it was what we talked about in the hush-hush. The, uh, the FBI did it. The FBI, uh, their informants, it's relevant and pertinent as we see the January 6th videos disclosed this week by Speaker Johnson, finally. And what were and even though uh, people like shipwrecked crew, the worst name lawyer in, in, in social media name in all of legal history, was complaining about the release of it. The what it what it showed was the uh, what we talked about or what I talked the very first ever hush hush, which was that January six had all the forensic fingerprints of an inside job of infiltrators and informants and instigators being critical components of it. We're seeing Capitol Police who committed all kinds of perjury and perpetrated longstanding frauds, making claims about getting beaten that never happened. And you can see it on videotape. You can see that it was the Capitol Police that instigated and initiated the violent conduct that you, day. You, you saw you saw the Jack Posobiec video where the guy, the pet, like, uh, now that I know that I have one of these uh, devices that can project plastic pellets into someone's face, it went through his freaking cheek. And it's not, they didn't do it by accident. They did it by sniper. Yes, correct. What you had was one part of the Capitol Police escorting everybody in, making it seem like it was all okay, and then they later get charged with federal crimes. Another part of Capitol Police instigating the crowd when they weren't getting the crowd to come in by uh, by throwing, you know, by shooting at them and and throwing these things into the crowds, and the and then of course all the informants and infiltrators and instigators that were involved that day. Well, as I mentioned in the hush hush on Malcolm X, my belief was that Malcolm X's assassination was done uh, not just by Elijah Muhammad, uh, but was done by the aid of, FB, of the FBI uh, through their paid informants, paid infiltrators, paid instigators. What happened was the FBI controlled the Malcolm X assassination investigation to hide all the evidence of who really did it and railroaded two completely innocent people. To, to disguise not only Elijah Muhammad's role, but also to disguise the FBI's role. Uh, Hoover was as obsessed with taking out M uh, Malcolm X. He saw him as a co-equal threat as Martin Luther King. And, of course, Martin Luther King himself would be dead within a year. And this person has filed suit because now all that information has been aggregated and <coughs> the state of New York recognized this a couple of years ago. They released him. When all this started getting developed, William Kunstler was one of the key lawyers supporting those efforts going all the way back, saying he was innocent all along. He's, he was locked up wrongfully for over 20 years. And now that he's gathered it all, he's put it into federal court pleading, what I talked about in that uh, hush hush, which is that, yes, indeed, the FBI orchestrated and organized effectively. the We know the cover up they organized and orchestrated of the assassination of Malcolm X. We know the people who killed him were on FBI payroll. We know that key security members were on NYPD or FBI payroll that were supposedly there to provide security and somehow didn't that day. Uh, but uh, the uh, what I think people have missed is that the real inference, given what we know about J. Edgar Hoover's beliefs about Malcolm X, is that this was an FBI organized and orchestrated hit, uh, at least in part. And they were co-complicit and they went to great lengths to hide it. And that's what this lawsuit details is the scope and scale of their cover-up efforts. And when everybody says, oh, you couldn't do this kind of cover-up, this is a classic example of exactly how you could do it and railroad an innocent man for more than 20 years, a, a military veteran, no less, by the way. When did Hoover 
stop having a place in American politics. When he died. <laughs> that's that's all that was it. When he dropped dead. Uh you can read James Elroy for his theory about what caused him to drop dead. Whatever it was, he dropped dead and his files went missing. Personal <laughs> files were never found. Um so the guy's suing chances of success. I mean, he went to Actually, jail. Quite, I mean, it's tough because it's the feds. He's suing under the Federal Tort Claims Act. There'll be always be some issues with discovery. But uh, the I mean, he's got evidence wise. It all supports him. It'll just be getting over all the immunity hurdles that can trap you and encircle you while you get there. But clearly, he's got an extraordinarily compelling case. And if the government doesn't want if the FBI doesn't want even more embarrassment from even more discovery. It should write a big check to the guy, but I suspect uh, they may try to, you know, go the immunity route first and try to find some escape valve from their accountability. But it shows, you know, who and what Christopher Ray and the FBI is really all about, that they haven't already apologized to this individual and done, taken some remedial action, which they have refused to do this whole time. All right, I'm going to read some tips here, Robert. Sleep well, $10 says, can you give the very possible scenario if Trump is actually imprisoned, but is still on the ballot and then wins? What happens then? What do they do? They turn, they turn us. Well, that's where I think the courts step in and fix the matter. I, I don't okay. think they're going to try to keep the elected president of the United States in prison. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Swiss C says, co-worker took the jibby and is now limping. Shake my head. Then we got Antar24. I found it funny that after I got my flu shot two days ago, as per requirement for my military duties, I got a cold today. Not a conclusion, but an observation. Also, Robert, did you have any opinions about Formula One in Las Vegas? I watched the race earlier today. It was great to see a good race after a lot of controversy. Yeah, the locals hate it. I mean, they're bitter as all because of how it just blocked everything off track. I mean, they really hated it. They hated Formula One more than anything that's ever come to Vegas. But I watched the race on TV and it looked awesome. Gray Mare says uh, one of two. The January Sixers found not guilty again. I started second guessing myself as of reaching out to you several weeks ago, but I know a little more now. I do think that I am being canceled in my industry where all my professional experience is through it is hard. Though it is hard to get people to say it, the not guilty of all charges should have been the end of all of this crap. I've consulted with a lawyer on employment law, but he had notified me of potential conflicts of interest. This is Gray Mare Part 2. Uh, with his firm looking into the action of the alternative electors in New Mexico. So I need a second opinion. No, any good New Mexico lawyers. I also want to get my record sealed, which I understand is atypical given a lack of federal in expungement. I have a good lawyer there, hence my success. I'm so glad to see pushback of the absurd January 6th narrative this week. I just want to see the craziness stop and so many people hurt by this system. I've given up any faith there will be real justice. Then we've got Viva Rock Hounding Us. A rock hounding is one of my hobbies. I found this agate when I was walking through the gravel road here in Alberta. This is how it looks after tumbling. The base is 2.5 inches. One thing I've been meaning to get is a rock tumbler, but Christmas is coming, so we'll see. Although I think a remote control car is more on the list. Javier Malay's rival has conceded anarcho-capitalist is now president of Argentina. Ha 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 from Targo the White. Then we've got a blunt and a, and a, and a lighter from Bill Brown. I don't smoke cigars either. Uh, Chaos 59 sent a $5 tip. Can we discuss the automotive kill switches being installed on 2026 cars and later approved by the government? Robert? That's the regulation that Tommy Ma Thomas Massey tried to stop 
and uh, some Republicans jumped ship and went with the agency. It's still going to be challenged in court, though, once that regulation, they try to put it in force by other people. So it's not the end of the legal challenges. But the uh, Massey was trying to prevent the regulatory agencies from imposing that rule as a condition of new vehicles. But right now, new vehicles after 2026 have to have a uh, remote-controlled kill switch in them. Remote, which means that who can kill the car from a distance? Exactly. Well, <laughs> you know, people should go back and read the Vault, the Vault 7 leaks. Oh, yeah. That's uh, the FBI. And, or if you've just been watching Alex Jones in 2003, because he was talking about what was in Vault 7 before Vault 7 was even released to the world. Mother Cabri. I'm going to screen grab that and then share A great way to, to, to whack people uh, is crash their car. car. It's, it's, yes. Viva Javier Millet. Let's hope he completes his term on one or more populist uh, president, strengthens his nation and spites the global cabal. That's from The Shadow Knows. Uh, we're going to go to Gray 101. Is there any progress on ending the USA police practice of wedging their foot in your home's open front door when you answer? Well, that's claim- one of my, my suits, one of my claims before the United yep. States Supreme Court. That I'm trying to get them to take is the garbage allowing them to do that. They shouldn't be there. That, that should be illegal, unconstitutional, end of story. They stick their foot but, in. Again, it's I- lazy conservative judges that uh, cower to the police state. That are why those uh, that part of our constitution is not being enforced. They stick their foot in, you close the door, and they they claim assault. I mean, that was from uh, oh yeah, and then they, 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 they arrest you. Then then they can go into your house for a felony. See, wow. Gray one hundred and one says, "What will a second Trump do about civil asset forfeitures?" This is a legitimate question. Uh, hopefully more, uh, more than he did this first term. To be blunt about it, Gray one hundred and one. Will a second Trump term be anti Second Amendment like the First Amendment bump stock ban? Well, I get the criticism. I mean, as a whole, Trump was a pretty very good Second Amendment guy. He's the one who put the justices in place that restored the Second Amendment on full scale in the Bruin case. So pretty hard to argue that Trump was anti-Second Amendment. I get that the sec- that there's criticism of his bump stock ruling. That was about the only thing he did bad on the Second Amendment. The rest he did great. Stingway says, Stingway, Doug Tenopoulos, I don't know who that is, or Ten- Tenopoulos, thinks that they will have court dates on key days during the election, could even be on election day. Due yeah, to they key... may. But that, that's good. That would be so obvious, by the way. I mean, that's it, would be, it would be good advertising. Like any, that, that's yeah, that's it, good it, advertising. I mean, it has so far. These numbers just go up, 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 up. I mean, NBC, which has never had Trump in the lead in any poll they have ever done in almost eight, in almost eight years, has him up today by four points nationwide. So I, I mean, I mean. Michigan epic polling, which I believe never had troll had Trump up, has him up five in Michigan. I mean the uh, uh, their 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 DOA praying that the DC case somehow derails his campaign without empowering Robert Kennedy on the backside. You know the, uh, it'll be interesting watching these people. These people aren't smart enough to thread that needle. That the, the, they're sooner or later they're going to start coming to terms with President Trump twenty twenty five. No, I was just everybody. I had this under my right leg. This is rope. It's very good oh, for my painful sciatica. To stick it under there, it gets very warm and it, it lifts the pressure. Uh, Susie C says, ah, oh, just got in. What did I miss? Everything. RB and the Duran epic. Uh, Butch Connors. Javier Malay just won in Argentina. We got that. Eagles Talon. AT&T and, the Spectrum, AT&T and Spectrum have a no have a no compete clause with every other internet company in my neighborhood. You can only get one or the other call another party we're not allowed in your area by these companies 
Exactly. It, it's it's it, for people that are out there in in different parts of it, underserved communities. Broadband uh, companies' behavior has has been very problematic. It's like and, it's like the and, gas. And it's it like should gas. be a common carrier. Just got my Amos Miller holiday special free America fundraiser for apple butter from We Sangle. The Hamas publishes casualties that cannot simply be trusted. So if there were years of planning, even if exaggerated, we can also imagine planning to station hundreds of their people in dozens of hospitals. Not only, yeah, not only invites oh, yeah, the course. media outrage. And it's been open. Like, it's not even really. That's like, not controversial. Even, yeah, even the Apollo. That's why the people that are anti-Israel almost only talk about Israel. And when they talk about the Palestinians, it's in this fictional, fabricated victim narrative where these people are just sort of vague children being killed, right? It's not Hamas. They avoid or Hezbollah or Fatah or the Palestinian history or the fact that their founder was a big Nazi. And that's like, people say, well, why... Why do you like Israel more than uh, uh, Palestine, Palestine, uh, the Palestinians on this side? I have a general rule. Try not to side with anyone who has ever sided with the Nazis. I have the same principle in the Ukrainian conflict, same principle in the Balkan conflict. Don't generally, just a general good wise filter. <laughs> if they've sided with the Nazis, be careful. Uh, we got we Sangle says, even if only several hundred human shields are killed, do we get to question how many it is acceptable to kill this way without also? Oh, you absolutely get a right to question that. And you get to question whether it's tactically makes any gosh darn sense. Yeah, politically. is, is the Yeah, I was like, like I, I consider that a more successful argument to the people that are on that side of the aisle. You're not going to persuade them of the law or the morality of it, given their rage and their commitment to Israel. You can get them to say, maybe this wouldn't work for the country's self-interest. Maybe this wouldn't work for the country's self-defense because it will give Hamas what they want. I mean, there's a reason Hamas taped all these horrible tra uh, things they did. They wanted this reaction by Israel. They wanted Israel to bomb that hospital. That's what they wanted. They want dead kids. They want de because dead kids are the victim porn that feeds the Palestinian movement throughout the Arab world. Gets them the money, gets them the political patronage, gets them the weapons. Um, and so far, Israel really hasn't taken that bait. Uh, so hopefully they don't. But you can absolutely be critical of Israel without being anti-Jewish, without being pro-Palestinian. What you can't be is Scott Horton and just lie about people you don't like because of the Israel issue. What you can't do is pretend every lie that the Palestinian propaganda has ever said is magically true and anything Israel has ever said is magically false. What you can't do is ignore what the Palestinians keep telling the world their cause is. It's like the, it's an ongoing Babylon Bee joke. Palestinian uh, Hamas, very sad that nobody will accept that he's actually out to kill the Jews. <laughs> but this is who they are. I, I'm just looking at, um, oh, geez, Louise, uh, We Are Change had on Jackson Hinkle, and uh, I'm, I'm eager to watch it. But Hey, you got to give the kid, the kid can grift as well as anybody, right? It's, I mean, the kid, he was like, hold on a second. Okay, pro-Israel, probably not going to get many supporters. Pro-Hamas, Woo, I'll get another. I'll have a million yeah, what, plus what, what, subscribers. What, what, what drives me nuts is just the the repeating of actual propaganda and disinformation yeah. without. It, it weakens their argument. They wanted to be credible, make intelligent arguments, but you can't be Alistair Crook, uh, you know, getting paid uh, by the Qatari royal family. By the way, I mean, I'll give that guy credit. He's just an old school grifter, just like Kim Philby's dad. Uh, it was part of the old British Arabist unit. Who was people forget Kim Philby's dad was a huge Arabist who was down there with the Prince of Faud, uh, trying to create a greater Arabia that he thought he was going to be the key advisor on. 
you know, Alistair is an old MI6 guy that was like, well, okay, where could I get some money, right? There's limited cash from Israel, right? I mean, all the Israeli lobbies, influence, and da 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 doesn't come anywhere close to the Arab money. Ask yourself why nobody says anything about Qatar hosting the Hamas multimillionaires uh, partying up in there I, in I, Qatar. I do wonder why Israel hasn't actually um, assassinated Because Qatar is Qatar? politically protected. And anybody in Qatar is politically protected because of how much influence they've bought in the West. You know, you know, people should look up who is the number one donor to the Brookings Institution. You know, the like when I hear the Jewish lobby in Israel, it's like it comes nowhere near the Arab Muslim lobby. Nowhere near it. If I was just into money, it wouldn't be the secret Jew check I was out to get. Uh, uh, you know, Al Jazeera would have me on every week, and they'd put me up in some palace uh, the uh, for 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 forever. If you want to grift, the anti-Israeli side is the side. That's why Jackson Hinkle is busy propagating Hamas's latest press release. I, I like you, Robert, if I haven't said that before. I mean, the, the observations you make and the retorts you provide, they're just, you can disagree with them, but you'd be wrong. Esther or Edster says, Robert Barnes, what is your take on the sanctimonious trying to channel Reagan by using a time for choosing? I was going to start with that video. I don't want to. It's 40 years ago. Most of the voters that voted for Reagan are they're dead. dead. <laughs> they're literally dead. Uh, it, uh, it's amazing that they think they can get back to that because Reagan was the only partially populist guy who the deep state was able to effectively control because of anti-communism. Now, not completely, because people forget, name the war Reagan got us involved in. There wasn't one. Reagan kept us out. Reagan got us out of Beirut. Did he say, oh, look at what's happened in Beirut. We got to send in there and punish those people? No, Reagan was like, uh-uh, this is intractable. We're out of here. The, uh, that was a smart decision. People, all the neocons always forget that side of Reagan. But they were able to keep, uh, you know, Mark Felt, Deep Throat, uh, got pardoned by Reagan. Because Bush brought all the deep staters in to control, uh, to limit the scope to which Reagan's more populist instincts could be translated into foreign policy. Reagan was a big peace guy. Reagan wanted to do, wanted to get peace deals done with Russia and the Soviet Union. He was realistic about it, but he wanted it. So the uh, and you could argue he succeeded. That the that ultimately the Cold War won under Reagan because of the balanced approach that Reagan took. Um, that he's not really given credit for. But the neocon types, they don't understand why Reagan was popular and they don't understand that that vote is no longer around. And so they're living in a fantasy land. And DeSantis just, it looks sadder and sadder yeah. by the day. That there's no question about. Gantt's and that prediction paid off big. <laughs> if, you went, if you shorted DeSantis, you're rolling around in the dope. Uh, this is from Ganth. It says the Hamas, Arab, Palestinians, whatever you want to call them, voided themselves in on October 7, 2023, raping, murdering, etc. on GoPros. There is only one answer to people that want to be that want you eradicated. I've watched this conflict for 40 years. This is enough. We got the shadow nose at a Turk. The founder of modern Turkey said it's best when he called Islam little more than an Arab Ponzi scheme. No approval needed. I'm just going to read these out. No. Denise N. What? That's why Turkey's the only secular regime. And the, but that's also why Erdogan uh, has to claim the Palestinians as his. Because everybody that wants to be the pan-Arab, pan-Islamic leader, whether it's just pan-Arabism or pan-Islamic leader, 
has to take the uh, Palestinian side to get the credibility of the Arab and Muslim world. Uh, and but the what, what would happen if the Palestinians had their own state and there was no conflict? All of a sudden, none of them can use it. That's why it's nobody's. In, it's not in Hamas's interest, Hezbollah's interest, Iran's interest, or any of these other politicians' interest throughout the Arab world that there ever be any settlement with Israel. None. We got Denise Ann says uh, at Bezzy tweets on Twitter coined the phrase "projectocrats" for Dems. Why project what they themselves are doing? And it's they really it. confess. I mean, they yeah, keep confessing. You, if you just listen to their accusations against Trump, say, okay, boom, boom, boom. Well, Robert, there's, there's another meme with smoke coming out of your ears that says, I appreciate your passion, Barnes, from Jigam Smigam. And it says the Robert Rant. Uh, we're going to go here. When I was living in Kiev, there was a whole group Christian refugees there. The Muslims drove them out. That's from Jeanette Victoria. Oh, yes. Great- Gray 101 says that that was true. So many different places. That's what it's like. People say colonialism and imperialism. I'm like, man, you must really hate Genghis Khan. They're like, what? What? Your typical liberal college student type just doesn't even process that. But that was in Islamic particular. I mean, who engaged in more slavery than the Islamic? cultures and caliphates well this is where i like I, the the minimal amount of that distant history that i know the crusades that's what everyone picks on that's why we Christian. went in we went in the crusades we went in there because they kept harassing christians it's what i'm discussed with on the duran why do christians distrust uh islamic control of the holy land hmm. maybe because of about 1400 years of punishing and harassing christians in the holy land maybe you know, I mean, it's like this isn't you don't got to suggest it's some sort of prophetic tradition with an evangelicalism that leads to believing Israel is the second coming. That has almost nothing to do with evangelical support of Israel because we evangelicals can go to the Holy Land and, and not get harassed, not get shot like they like as was commonplace throughout the Israeli world. I get the you know, there's, there's plenty of legitimate criticism of the Crusades, but people ignore there was a historical basis for that. And it was the historical harassment of Islam towards Christians in the region. Gray 101 says, are leftists in the U.S. federal government deliberately sabotaging recruitment to instead bring in a conscription draft-based military? I hope not. Sadaka, which means charity in Hebrew, says, Kamala Harrison has a video link. I'll get to that one afterwards. Any comments on the Fifth Circuit claiming the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment does not apply in emergency? Oh, Women do not contribution. I got to add that to the Sunday docket, probably yeah. next Sunday. Yeah, that's M. Murph 12. Murph, that's from uh, Interstellar, best movie of all time. Bill Brown, Thanksgiving is my fave day. Thank you very much. Okay, so I'm going to go back from the bottom up now because I've gone to the bottom. Robert, I voted for Reagan and I'm still kicking, but I turned 18 when I voted for him. That's from Time Bandit. Then we got... Um, we got yeah, there, how- obviously some people around <laughs> who voted for Reagan or a lot. It's just Dude, not the majority of voters. We got Healthport. We, Healthport says... We have 2,000 on chat. When it was 100, there was a great deal of respect for one another. It would be nice to keep our civility and common purpose of liberty. I agree. Yep. And and that's 90%. To, to some Jew haters will sneak in about Israel or some Don't other forget, topic. It's the they internet. usually go away. Or like it, the Ukraine war propagandist. There were a few who were nice about it that, that were not, you know, whatever. It was fine. And, you know, you could dissent. and Dissent all you want. And there were a few that were nasty, and they usually go away. I'm going to cough. Hold on. It's the internet. You can't control the internet. Just live with it. And there's going to be bad people who are going to be mean. So we'll, we'll move on. Barnes, 
Have you seen Shiva Ayuduria's 20-minute talk during the Arizona hearings? He had great info revealing signature. Yeah, you saw that, Robert, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The okay. signature matches was the biggest issue that I had always been insisting on. F1 is the worst thing since the NBA All-Star Weekend. Nothing tops that event, says Rock Hora. Oh, yeah, the, um, the Ve- if he's from Vegas, that's, that's the universal sentiment. They are <laughs> embittered about the presence of... Uh, Formula One racing, but it did look on TV. It looked super cool. <sighs> Chrissy 79 says, Viva could please, please ask locals why I can't watch your live stream on Amazon. What the heck is an Amazon fire stick? I'm oh yeah. Sp- it's an Amazon fire stick. Put a, a thing that they're, they're, they are the, the questions that go to the sporadic technological issues over the last couple of months of locals is a product of them shifting entirely to the rumble based servers. And there's been some hiccups along the way that they are working on improving. I've screen grabbed it. I'll send it to our team. We yes. got Natha, Natha 892. Hi Barnes. I got some tax issues. I paid the company 5,000 and they didn't solve my problem. Do you have a company that you could recommend working yeah, on well, my... Just reach out to me. At, uh, we do a lot of tax stuff. And if I can't help, or if it's not, if it's not cost effective to help, I can give you some other guidance. Just go to the Barnes Law LLP, as in Peter.com. Go to the contact page, and that's the best way to reach me because that goes to my whole team. And we got Plant Nerd says, anyone who could make a Fry Hate 451 meme, that's fantastic. Satoshi Ape says, I would like to see Robert debate. Okay, I I already don't like that word, but Ryan Dawson. I'm not 100% convinced, but he makes compelling arguments that Israelis were involved in 9-11. That doesn't mean that Israeli government... Oh, he's wrong. I, I know... Have I debunked that as part of my Hush Hush series? I may I'm have already debunked sure. that one in the Hush Hush series. If not, it will be present. I think I did. Uh, also, they can go to my USS Liberty about the real history of the USS Liberty in the I, Hush I'm, Hush case. I'm gonna it's not it. at all what the mainstream media would have, nor is it what certain apologists would have for it. It's uh, a certain three-letter agency might have had some involvement. Well, CIA, FBI, uh, KGB. I the other one, the, the one that first spied on Senator Frank Church that led to his committee being the church committee against the intelligence community. Hold on. It's not CIA, FBI, IRS? NSA. NSA. Well, what the hell is it? Okay. Robert, this has been amazing. I think we've done it. Uh, the kids Yeah, just have... Oh, two, go, briefly... Oh, so please, please, please. Sorry. Go ahead. So, oh, yeah. Just on the standing issue, it's about Black Lives Voters, which is like a version of Black Lives Matter. Uh, and, they, and the court said that because they diverted resources to counteract the conduct of the defendant, they had standing. Why is that important? It's another federal decision issued out of New Orleans in this case in the Fifth Circuit. In January, I'll be before that Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans arguing for children's health defense on the exact same grounds that we should be allowed to sue the FDA for wrongfully including uh, the COVID-19 vaccine and recommended it for kids. And it's now on the kids list, by the way. So they've now stuck that crazy vaccine and the boosters, so-called vaccine. It's a therapeutic drug that doesn't even work as a therapeutic. Uh, these days. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's nice because it'll, it, I like those decisions that give me liberal cases and conservative cases, no matter the profile of the court, I can say, look, if you screw me for standing, you're going to screw your cause for standing. So uh, because legally we're right if, if that case is also correct. Will, will that Louisiana case be publicly displayed or no? Uh, it, usually I think that it's a Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals on banc in, uh, in uh, it's an on banc courtroom. Mm-hmm. Not it won't be on bond. It'll be a panel of three judges uh, in New Orleans. That's the one. Uh, that's the one federal appellate courthouse I've wanted to argue in that I haven't got to yet. 
uh, pretty much arguing almost all the others other than the Supreme Court of the United States have filed briefs but haven't got to make oral argument for the Supreme Court. Um, have won some injunctions and other things, but not that. Uh, but the other one was the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans because right in the French Quarter, it's a beautiful old court, beautiful old courthouse. Uh, January is a good time to be in New Orleans because the weather is actually respectable uh, uh, when it's you know not brutal humidity and it's got the best restaurants anywhere. Okay, I, I, uh, I, I, though I might... Savannah, Georgia is actually a close. Even though Savannah is the reason why I re-injured my foot because I like that city so much, I walked around everywhere in my little Louis Vuittons, and it turns out Louis Vuittons are they're terribly. You know those shoes are not designed to walk in. It's suicide. It's suicide. That's what well, those shoes are. That's how I was hurting gonna... my foot over and over again. Turn out the, the ridiculous shoes. Hold on, Robert. I think I think I've got it. Oh, yeah, here we go. Speaking of shoes, oh look at. <laughs> Apparently, Trump just tweeted this out. It says, <laughs> "Ron, Ron the sanctimonious." He's gonna have so much fun with those boots. Now, did you see his <laughs> him imitating DeSantis? Why? <laughs> he's, he's, uh, I think DeSantis is ruining every ounce of oh. future the guy could ever have. He's Robert, just destroying it. All that I'm saying is, that I might meet you in Louisiana in <laughs> January, but we'll, we'll see if we will see if we great get down. And then, well, great town. If you don't want to get, I I know what crime says. If I don't want to get killed, I don't go to Louisiana. Uh, I, we I'm, have two other brief little cases to talk about. Uh, but hold on, I just wanted to bring up. Um, Okay, do oh no 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 don't do them yet. Hold on. View tipped. I'm gonna go back here. Our John 80s music. Oh, I think I know John 80s music might have sent me an album. FDA ran USS Liberty to mess with kosher food in Israel. I think that might be a joke. Um Rogue Thunder. I was a little late to the broadcast today because it's 2 p.m. here in Oregon. Uh was that a rally against anti-Semitism in the local square? This is to commemorate Anti-Semitism Awareness Week. Can you imagine that a whole week? Here is an only video I made about a local Chabad rabbi, Rabbi uh, Avi Zwebel. Okay, we got the rod in, in, in heels. Saudi Arabs flooding Dubai water. I think we got that. Camels drowning in Yeah, Arabian camels water. drowning. Wow. Jesus. Uh, hold on one second. I got a child here. Doesn't the New York Trump trial open up the Elon to sue the previous owner of Twitter? He could say that the value is less than the fraudulent sale. Yeah, right. Okay. Absolutely. And then, um, okay, we might miss some. Robert, I was, okay, we're done. Okay, Robert, last two, and I'm going to get this. Oh, yeah, briefly. Uh, Brooke Jackson, uh, the, uh, the, I already updated the locals board on Thursday. The, uh, the no real update, the Justice Department, uh, they've assigned a longtime pharmaceutical industry lawyer to the case who had ties to the FDA, who was doing a lot of this uh, when they were doing some of this illegal activity or approving of and green lighting or ignoring uh, the illegal activity by Pfizer. So, of course, that's the government's not going to go anywhere. What the government's caught in the catch 22. Biden doesn't want responsibility for the case getting dismissed while Kennedy is a potential candidate as an independent candidate against him. So they're likely going to stay out and not do anything either way. They would like to look like they're being fair and impartial, but I have zero confidence or faith in them. Uh, so the uh, we'll be preparing according. If I'd been there, I probably would have said some of those things. So probably, the, uh, probably better that I wasn't there in person. Uh, Warner Mendenhall and Alexis Anderson were there and another lawyer's there. That they're more uh, diplomatic than me in some of those things, um, uh, and then our, my our fun last little case of the week, uh, T-Mobile. Oh yes, that's right. A woman brings in her phone to transfer data from one phone to the next, and finds out that a unscrupulous T-Mobile employee 
Snapchatted his himself her nudes and sex videos with whomever, and then she sued. And apparently, it's not unknown to T-Mobile employees. Although, that's what they come in there and say. Would you like to transfer this from your phone to that phone? Like, no, 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 no. I'll I'll upload my own new contact (laughs) points. I'm not giving you this to do anything. I just want a new phone. Just give me the new phone. Same number. But you're not uh, saying, oh, we just need a transfer. But Robert, the, the whole thing is like, why I never think of this is I don't have nudes or sex videos on my phone. It's like, dude, do it, whatever. Well, you my concern this. is, you know, I have client, I have lots of clients. Yes. Oh, I'm not suggesting you have sex videos, Robert. I'm just saying <laughs> I, I don't have these thoughts. And then I read these. It's like, okay, but now that you mentioned it, I do screen grab bank accounts and I do screen grab a lot of stuff. Okay, great. Now they know. Well, also, it's the contact list that can have, you know, depending on who you have contact list. I mean, I got some famous people in my contact list. I try uh, to disguise their identities in various ways, just in case. I like, I like lost five phones over the years. I used to forget phones, laptops, all kinds of things, and uh, planes especially. I would just forget that I had it. Shit, um, I've never, I've never so thought. I, of this. I've, I've exercised I, multiple levels of security protocols in case that happens. Also, I don't trust judges in court, so I usually don't. I don't even bring in my phone to my computer anymore. <laughs> But I don't like going through the security and thinking, where is that? Who's going to be messing with that? You know, just uh, if they really want to hack you, they can hack you. But don't make it easy for them. I've never even thought of that. But, Robert, just so you know, on my phone, you are under Sexy McGee. That's that's your (laughs) name. You can come get in here. What you want to say? Hi. Um, Sorry for what? Burp. I didn't hear anything. Get in here. Kids. Smile. Nobody wants to see an unhappy child. Here, here. Oh, show, get, show your, show your megalodon too. He's gonna show. Oh, you thought I was the only one who got something? This dude got a megalodon tooth. He says, "When I'm done with this, I can uh-huh. use it to stab someone." When <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> um, I never, I've never even thought of that. Like, I, I, I don't hide my contacts, and not that I have any, I, I don't have Trump as a contact, but I have people as contacts. Never even thought of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's from doing criminal defense cases, civil cases. You figure out all the different places they can come at you. And by that, you figure out what what vulnerabilities are, how you can limit those vulnerabilities. But this was just another example. You know, it could just be an employee at the T-Mobile saying, yeah, thank you, thank you. And what they're doing is while they're transferring it, to your new phone, they're transferring it to their phone. It was it was six videos, Robert. They, the man couldn't control himself. Like porno is not easy enough to find on the internet. You had to download it off someone's phone who's asking for a transfer, who had videos of sex and whatever. Um, what are you doing? So are you off tomorrow? It's Thanksgiving week or you have work? Uh, no, I mean, the, the Durant on Tuesday, I, I'm, I'm working during the week. So the uh, uh, Thanksgiving will be uh, here in Vegas. Uh, my little sister and <laughs> her husband are here. So the because uh, I can't travel really until closer to Christmas time. Uh, with the, the but they got they're making custom foot uh, shoes that uh, won't won't keep causing me to get my foot hurt. Okay. Well, the, uh, turns out my the distribution in my foot puts all the weight in the same area I have the injury. What, and and the, the Louis Vuittons that look so nice and they're so flexible. <laughs> accentuate that so it puts all the pressure hammers it right there where if you get like custom-made shoes it distributes the pressure all across the foot so you don't keep doing that so desantis could just own up to it and say i have to distribute the weight there on my you heel. Go. yeah yeah <laughs> i'm not hey, trying to look like i'm five you know six, I, mean, I guess he is have you met him in person 
No, I've never seen him. I guess he's is he like five eight or five nine? Dude, I'll tell you if he's five eight, five nine, because I'm five five and a half. He'll be in his high heels. Uh, okay, whatever. I'll just let me do a few more. Joe M. Ten dollars says Viva Barnes. Not trying to stalk you. Don't worry, it wouldn't be the first time. LOL. But you're wrong about Joven Pulitzer and Shiva. Shiva tried to sabotage Joven's work because I, I get they disagree. Uh, I've seen analysis out there. I'm just not a big Pulitzer guy. I'm not a Pulitzer hater. I'm just not a Pulitzer guy. Two different. I don't find him to be a reliable source. That doesn't mean I'm a critic of him. I just don't find him particularly useful. Okay. Because in some prior cases, when I researched some of the claims he made, they didn't quite add up in the way he thought they did. That doesn't mean he's a bad faith actor. It just means I didn't find that if I were putting him on the stand, that he would hold up well. That's just my legal analysis. And I got FDA ran USS Liberty to mess with kosher food in Israel. Shut up. Is there any truth to that? No, no, no. He's just okay. that person's having some fun. <laughs> sorry. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. Uh, and we got Rogue Thunder, $10. I was a little late to the broadcast today because it's 2 p.m. here in Ashland, Oregon. Uh, was rallying his hand. Oh, that's right. I got it. Okay, so we did it. Do you want to yep. come say hi? Do you want to come say hi? You have three seconds to come say hi. Um, I, have a, I found the pig He found the pig picture. Bring it in immediately. Bring it in. Okay, Bill Brown. My kid found the picture of Templeton under uh-huh. his pillow. I don't know where he got it. Uh, Robert. Oh, lordy, lordy. So it's Thanksgiving week. My kids are off school for a week. My parents are coming in. My daughter's friends are coming in. If she sees this, it's because she's watching it. Okay. Um, my parents, who else? Anyhow, we'll see what happens this week. Oh, Lordy, it's going to be tough. Um, Robert, uh, everything else? Um, other, other than that, Mrs. Cl- Mrs. Clinton. Mrs. Oh, here we go. Here we go. He found it. Bill Brown, Templeton, come in and say hi. Get over here. Now you'll show your face. Get, okay, get over here. He's in. He's in. Show your necklace. So he, did he like the, the rock show as much as you did? Hold on a second. Robert, at the risk of leading the witness, ask the question again. Did, did you like the rock show as much as your dad? Did you like the rock show as much as your He's calculating the correct answer. Did I, oh, you'll go get the crystal. He, he got a crystal as well. I don't, I don't know where your crystal is. Mommy had it and then... Well, um... He got a good crystal, so we, we might. So you didn't touch it. You didn't Sorry. catch Marion's. Uh, you know he looks a lot like that picture of Marion when she was young. Well, he looks. Get over here. Oh, show the, There's. I don't. There, I hear a lot of noise. Show this to Barnes. What? Yeah. Yeah. He, oh, he looks a lot like my grandfather. Not my grandfather. Uh-huh. My father-in-law. This Robert. Uh-huh. You know where I got this? Uh-huh. Tennessee, baby. When I came to see oh, you, yeah. this is a this is a Civil War bullet. What's the stuff they used to chew on when they were in the military? They I'm, not, it, I'm not sure what that was. It was like it was like biscuits and crackers that they cooked hardcore. Okay. Interesting. Um, okay, we're gonna end this. I guess we have to end this. It's not, has yep. it been two hours and fifty three minutes? We gotta end this now. Okay, everybody. I'll be live tomorrow. Barnes is live Tuesday. It's Thanksgiving week. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. <laughs> Sorry, catch it up. I'm going to end this right now, and Robert, we will say our propaganda. He took the bullet out. This is no longer resellable. (laughs) This is an actual musket unfired. Show them them the one that was fired. Show them the one that was fired. So no joke, this is unfired. 
Mm. And then this one was fired because the fired one is deformed yep. and doesn't look good. All right. Unlike the magic bullet that supposedly killed President Kennedy. Who you know who it looks the one on like on the one hand, right? And the other. We're we're gonna watch the Saputo films when we go to bed tonight, and some of them have nightmares. <laughs> we're not we're not we're not doing that. Okay, ending this, everybody. Go out and have a good night. If we've missed anything, it'll be amazing. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace out, people. Good night. <laughs>